And Taro Adun, noble listeners. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Talk Until the Joy is Gone podcast. Don't know why I said it like that. Podcast. Podcast. It's been a long week. Fuck off. Um, I am actually not that ornery this morning, but I may be coming across like that. Uh, I'm Rooney. Sat across from me is... Um, I am the tired one this week. This is a tired um, <laughs> Reggie on, on the other end of the call. Just Snoozy oh. R-E-G this morning. Yeah. Um, before we get into the episode... Yeah. There's a new rule this week. Oh, fuck. Neither one of us are allowed to make any jokes. Because it hurts every time I laugh. <laughs> oh, no, seriously, you can't... I'm going to break that rule. I give it 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is you have to you can't say something like that to me. It hurts. Ow, every like... five minutes. Every time I laugh. <laughs> I, added, um, I added a core workout into my daily routine this week. And oh, nice. my non-existent abs are screaming in agony every time I move, laugh, do anything. I sat up in bed this morning. It was literally almost <laughs> like this. It's, oh, it's not good. It's funny, it's funny you say that because last night, I, my my exercise routine has gone right out the window since yeah. just the weather turned. I was doing really well during the summer. I was working out every day, and it, I was finally, you know, it was paying dividends sort of thing. I was like, my God, I can see my balls for the first time in about three years. Uh, um, <laughs> It's not quite that bad, guys. Um, but uh, I was like, yeah, great. And then it's sort of the weather turned. And I was like, if I do that, I'm going to get rained on. I'm going to get snowed on. Or I'm just going to get fucking frostbite. And I was like, okay. So I've been, it's, it's tailed off. But, you know, the post-Christmas paunch is uh, is here with a vengeance. So I was like, well, I've got to do something. So I've been doing like sit-ups and push-ups yeah. and various other like toe stretches and shit like that to keep things ticking over until the weather improves. Um, and last night I added some crunches in in place of the sit-ups. Yeah. I got sort of halfway through the amount I normally do. And I was like, oh, my God. I felt like my my abs were on fire. Yeah. And I was like, God, and my, my thighs were burning. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to kill me tomorrow. So I finished up with just some regular sit-ups. Went, had a shower. Didn't think anything else of it. I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, God, do I dare move? Because yeah. this is going to hurt. I was like, no, I've got to. Because like I've been laying up. <laughs> you know when you wake up and you've been laying in one position for like yeah. the last three hours? And like your ear is pinned to the side of your head and shit. And I was like. No, I've got to because my ear hurts. So I was like, I'll roll over. Oh, that didn't hurt. And I got up and I'm fine. And it's like, why? It should hurt. <laughs> I've always noticed any time I've like not exercised for a while and started exercising again, it's always day two that, that like, I really yeah, start to ache and I yeah. really start to hurt. So tomorrow you're going to be fucked. I might skip tonight then. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just, skip the abs out the I'll skip any ab work tonight just to save myself the pain tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not complaining either. Like I don't mind the pain. I'll put up with the pain every day if it means the summer comes and I can wear a vest in public and not be ashamed of myself. Yes. That's the plan. Exactly. The plan. I don't even want a six pack. I just want some tone. So Yeah. Yeah, so my new daily routine's like two hours in the morning before I do anything else. It's fucking killer. Like oh, running, yoga. Do it first thing in the morning. Cool workout. Well, it's not first. I, I wake up, I drink two pints of coffee, I listen to a podcast, <laughs> then I get on with it. So really, it's about three hours before I do anything else. So I, have to squeeze mine in. Yeah. I have to squeeze mine in like in the evening before I have a shower because it's like, obviously, I'm working all day. I then finish work. 
and then like I have a, a single parent in the evenings. And then by the time I'm not single parenting, it's time for me to go to bed if I want to have any chance of getting up in time in the morning. So it's like I can just squeeze in like a half an hour or so before I have a shower. <laughs> yeah, I just get up super fucking early now. That's another reason I'm tired because I've been getting up at like six o'clock a week. And then last night I was like yesterday I was up at six, didn't go to sleep till well, the last thing I saw was half past two. So, yeah, <laughs> not in a good way. But on a far more well. I was going to say positive, no, but it's really not. Um, I've got another conspiracy theory for you. Oh, gods. Can't lay now, it on me. I didn't actually go and look into it and do all the research, but... The other <laughs> day you, I seriously, was... what, what are you doing all day? <laughs> Masturbating. Masturbating. Well, in that case, at least you don't need to do your arm workout. You know, yeah, alternate hands the... and... This is the year of making myself happy. I said that, and you said, right, he's going to masturbate. And I thought, yes, good man. Oh, right, um, okay. That, that was all it took, because it was the, 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 the nod from me on an episode of the podcast for you to finally devolve into a full-on fucking wank beast. <laughs> to turn into you, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I was flicking through, scrolling through Facebook the other day, and there's um, someone, like, I don't know, someone must have commented on it or something. I don't know how it was in my feed, but there was this, post by Gaia I think it is I think the website or whatever it is the group mm. I, I don't Facebook still fuck like I, I, I don't understand it I spent so many years away from it that I've come back and I'm like oh this is nothing like the Facebook I left <laughs> um, and I'm really not interested in putting the time in to learn it so it's all a bit weird for me at the moment but somehow this post by Gaia turned up and it was all about like conspiracy theories and stuff and I don't know how I did it, but somehow I must have pressed the wrong thing and opened the comments. <laughs> I, I, Never opened the comments. Uh, I read one comment and I was like, wow, this is weird. So I started scrolling through it and there was like a thousand comments. And about halfway through, someone posted a comment about how coronavirus <laughs> was started because... Uh, sorry, coronavirus came about because a human touched a grey. <laughs> I know, right? And I was fascinated by this. And I, I didn't know if it was just a one-off person, or if it was just some wad, like mad kook that was just like, ah, yeah, I'll tell you what it's all about. But no, there must have been like the 50 following comments after that one were all people agreeing with this guy. And they were all referencing some declassified American government paper that says that um, once upon a time, someone said a global pandemic could start if someone ever touched a grey, right? And these 50 people are talking about this as if it's some ancient mythological prophecy that's finally coming true. <laughs> Like, I told you, I've known all along, ever since I saw this declassified government paper, I knew one day we'd have a pandemic because someone would touch a grey, and then all these other people are like, why can't people just not touch the greys? And I'm just, oh literally, I lost, this is, this is truly what, I, what my day's turned into. It's just me, <laughs> like, just like half an hour, I just spent reading these comments of all these people just like taking all this shit so seriously and i was just like i need to tell Rooney about this he'll love it 
we are we are going to have to do an episode on our favorite conspiracy theories. Yeah, because they are equal, they're equal parts disturbing and hilarious. But they're so creative. That's the thing. Oh, like, yeah. I don't understand. Like if these people like redirected repurposed this energy that they're using to try and like convince the world of conspiracy theories into writing fiction <laughs> Mate, it, they'd be fucking rich some of these people are so creative it's bonkers the, the depths they go into is it's absolutely insane and the way they they they, they can twist and contort things to yeah. fit their narrative it's it's brilliant it's, it really is i mean it's disturbing because these people genuinely believe that yeah. like you say this this I, whole I pandemic think, it's from someone touching an alien. Of them, I think 80% of them truly believe. I do believe there's 20% of them are just trolling. They're just trolling oh, yeah. the other 80%. It's the internet, so yeah. yeah. But it's fucking nuts. How many, like, just message after message after message of these people talking about this declassified paper like a fucking prophecy that was finally coming true, like the chosen one. It was nuts. Like, <laughs> I don't know how these people like get out of bed and tie their shoes in the morning. Let alone go about their daily so life, that, so that they can go out there and try and stop people from touching greys. Damn it! <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing that you're not believing the prophecy that someone touched a grey, and now we're I, <laughs> we're all in a pandemic because this... <laughs> because somebody. Oh my giddy aunt! That's no, no. I I'm not I... a subscriber to that theory. Okay, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I might, like, literally, I might just start coming every week with a new conspiracy, see if I can actually sell you on one. It'll be fun. If you can sell me on one. Yeah. Did you, uh, have you seen the other, the, the big thing in on, on social media at the moment, on the news, in fact, so big, the White House is now monitoring the situation, apparently, with it's the GameStop the, shares. Yes, it, it comes to my attention yesterday, and I kind of, I watched one video. Well, I didn't watch it. I read this. I read the subtitles on the video because I, I didn't turn the audio on. Um <laughs> And I kind of, I have a vague grasp of it, isn't it? Like there's an app, the Robin Hood app. Yeah. And that allows just anybody to, to buy stocks and shares. To buy stocks and shares through, through an app. Yeah, makes it really easy yeah. for them. And from my understanding, there's a Reddit page. Yeah, Wall Street Bets. And the people on there all kind of got to get together and they talk about what stocks and shares are good. Yeah. And so... <laughs> somewhere along the line they all started buying this GameStop shares yeah. because they're what are they short short stop. sellers short stop yeah, yeah so they buy them they wait for the price to go down then they sell them back and they make a profit yeah but so many people have bought them that it's fucked up all these hedge funds and all of these head there's there's yeah. now at least two hedge funds which have had to declare bankruptcy because the price has been really? and these are multi-billion international yeah. hedge funds who have been playing the stock market for years um and it's 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 absolutely brilliant because you know it's the free market is basically a gated community at this point it's like if you're rich then the free market is open to you if you're not yeah <laughs> tough shit and then yeah. obviously all these redditors got together and effectively created their own hedge fund yeah. which is far bigger <laughs> than, than, than most of the actual hedge funds and yeah they've just basically played them at their own game and i've, I've been reading some of the stories coming out of uh, this wall street bets thing I think the moderators have basically given up because the the, the subreddit has blown up over the, bet, this yeah. week, um, and there's people posting on there that they are going, they will not sell these shares, they will not back down because you know, and there's all these horror stories people are coming out with of why they're doing it, and uh, the big financial crash, the Wall Street crash, uh, 2008, yeah, which 
ruined so many millions yeah, of people's livelihoods. Yeah. A lot of these people are the kids of people whose livelihoods were ruined. There was one of them saying the other day, um, their family lived on, uh, what was it? Uh, ramen with uh, sliced cheese in it. And basically like pot, pot noodles. With pot, pot noodle with a slice cheese. of cheese. Yeah. This is their whole like family of four living on that and tomato soup made of uh, hot water and ketchup sachets take, stolen from the school cafeteria for like five or six years. And that, that was basically their diet because their parents just had nothing because their jobs, their savings and everything were lost in the crash. Um, and now these, these people have got a little bit of money and they're like, I've invested it in this. Fuck you guys. I am yeah. not giving this up. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, you, you I think so, guys. Six years of ketchup sachets and ramen sounds like a slight exaggeration to me because I'm a cynical <laughs> bastard. But... I can totally understand where they're coming from. It's like, I worked hard. I made a little bit of money. I'm trying to better myself. And suddenly, the 1% don't like it. Like, yeah. We're finally like breaking the wheel of the, the rich get richer and the poor stay poor. And suddenly, the government's had to step, step in Stepping, to keep yeah. the rich rich and to stop <laughs> the poor from, well, a lot from of making the, a any lot money. Stockbrokers have put, are not letting people buy gamestop shares now and it's like well why yeah, not yeah. oh because we're protecting our customers it's like we're your customers you're protecting yeah. the rich customers who are losing out um the robin hood app uh basically taken shut down, down. Right? you can't download it anymore you can't download it at the moment because uh, well i'm not entirely sure whether that's because they've just shut it down for that or whether it's something more nefarious but either way even before it went down they put a stop on gamestop shares and and others that are starting to go yeah. the same way um and as soon as they did that Hundreds of people sued them, started bet, lawsuits yeah. against them because it's I like, bet. no, that's illegal. You're doing yeah. that to protect somebody else who is you're effectively as as you're concerned, the same person, the same as me. So you're yeah, doing that to protect the people that fund your campaigns. Yeah, that's who you're protecting. You know, the same people that help Trump get in because Trump put massive fucking tax cuts in to keep them rich. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> so, reminds yeah, me. It reminds me of a time in the early 2000s. Um, this is not something that you're interested in, but I'm not interested in the stock, <laughs> in the stock market, to be honest. So I'm going to talk no, about it. Anyway. No, um, this, is, this is amazing. Um, grime music. It, it went from like pirate radio stations to mm. suddenly like people were buying the music, like buying mixtapes and stuff on the street. It suddenly went to the next level. And the people involved with it from, you know, housing estates in London, the poor, the poverty stricken, started making life changing money. Right. So they started organizing shows and touring the same way any white rock band would do. Right. Suddenly the police created this form called the 696 form. And what it was, was they sent it to all the promoters and all the venues that were putting on the shows. And, they had to fill out a form to say who was performing, what race they were, um, what instruments would be played, and <laughs> who the demographic of people coming to the show would be. Any show where they had an MC and a DJ got locked off, just got shut down instantly. So suddenly all these people all these people that would have been out on the street, on the block, trying to make money in their poverty-stricken life were making legit money. Mm. finally turning their lives around, finally helping their families, their 
their friends, like really kind of changing their lives in a legit way. Yeah. Couldn't make, couldn't make money anymore because the police were like, oh no, like we don't want you making money. We don't yeah. want you getting out of the situation you're in because the whole system is designed to keep you there. To keep you there, yeah. Why do you it, think we flooded the streets with guns and crack? To keep you there. To make you kill each other. <laughs> so we're not going to let you get out of here legit. And it went on for years. They couldn't perform shows anywhere. There's this um, rapper named Giggs. And eventually, he, he couldn't do a show for years. And so what they had to do was book a venue under a, a different name go on social media and say, oh, we've got this show, but we can't tell you where it is. You've just got to meet us at this place in London and we'll take you there. So all these people would turn up to this spot in London. Pops, come on, you can't lay on my laptop. <laughs> yeah. I can just so see them rolling around. Yeah. So they'd all turn up and they'd have to get on buses to drive out of the city to some like to some like country place like, or like Harlow, like Essex, like suburbs, to yeah. go to a venue where they were advertising like i don't know a rock band were playing and then they'd all get shipped in there and after the gig they'd all have to get on the buses to come home no one <laughs> should have to go to those extremes just to put on a show just to make some money it's fucking yeah. bullshit it's the system oppressing people to keep the one percent in their place mm. like the same's happening here it's just the thing is i know i hate social media but one of the good sides of social media is that people aren't standing for this shit anymore. Yeah. People can talk, people can like liaise and get together. People, people have a voice really? and they can reach yeah. out to other people on the same page and yeah. unify. I mean, that, that's that's the best thing about this is that it's it's a bunch of people in Reddit who were trying to make a quick buck, you know, yeah. while, in, in their, while they sat on the toilet with their fucking Robin Hood app. Yeah. Um, have now all come together and gone, actually, guys, if we do this... Not only do we stand you know, to make some money, but we can also really fuck off the people in charge. We can stick yeah. it to the people who have been ruining our lives for the last forever, basically. I, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, all the angry people would be so disparate and so spread mm. out and no way to know who else was angry that the government and the people in charge, the 1%, could control them. Yeah. Now suddenly all you've got to do is pick up your phone go on twitter or facebook post and all the people that are just as angry as you can get together yeah and you can really start a movement and that's one of the that's one of the things i like about social media but yeah something else happened this week that oh, that i really hate about social media um it's not it didn't start this week it's been going on for quite a while but took a step up this week um a couple of football teams lost some games and a couple of players made some mistakes in those games that cost their teams a bunch of ignorant cunts went on twitter <laughs> using their anonymous profiles and sent racist abusive messages to these people that made a mistake during the game that cost their team points now this has been going on <sighs> For, well, for as long as fucking social media has been about, but it's been gathering pace like for the past year or so. Like every two weeks, you hear a story about this yeah. player was racially abused. This player, I don't, I just can't, 
I can't understand why anybody would do it in the first place, personally. But no. <laughs> I can't. Un- what else I can't understand is how these companies are clever enough to build algorithms that know <laughs> exactly where you shop, exactly what music you listen to, exactly yeah. what films you watch, so they can bombard you with it constantly. But they're not clever enough to find out who's running an anonymous profile by an IP address. Yeah. Because they, can, they people, can find out. They they can. Every they now and then the it'll be, oh, it was a 13-year-old kid who's now, he's been arrested and it, like all this stuff. He's, he's got to go to like education. But nine times out of ten, these people go unpunished. And yes. it's fucking bullshit. I understand. I understand like the anonym, anonymity of that the internet can provide. I get it. Trust me. I made a move to become someone else this week on social media. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yes, yes, Mr. Pseudonym. We know this. <laughs> but my profile picture is a picture of me. And there's enough people on the internet that know what I look like <laughs> that could identify me. Now, are we in a place where sooner or later the anonymity of social media gets taken away? They've been working on. And how do you feel about on that? For, they've been working on that for years, chipping oh. away the, the. I mean, you saw this when you were trying to change yeah. your your name on okay. there. If they yeah, think it's not your real name, yeah, they, Facebook won't let you have it. Um, I yeah, but this, I could put Bob Jones. Yeah, and it would accept it. But I'm not Bob Jones. The worrying thing is the the, the whole parlor app thing, which yeah. was obviously used by the Trumpets to. Uh, organized their capital invasion and their their, their treason the other month uh, the other week um in order to set up a parlor account you had to send them a, a basically a scan of an official document that identified you so yeah. they had your id now in this particular instance that was a really good thing because hackers hacked into the parlor app stole all the information of these racists that attacked the capital and shared yeah. it with the fbi so hence all the arrests that have been going on yeah um However, can we not get these hackers on Twitter to, to find out who these fucking racists are? So we can... Well, no, because Twitter doesn't require that, does it? Twitter no, just requires great. that you have a valid email address, basically. One that isn't already registered to another account. However, whilst in some instances it's really good, you have to rely on the people in charge yeah. who, let's face it, are the 1%, yeah. not abusing that power. Because if you put all of your identifying details into a website and then um, you start posting things they don't like... yeah. Uh, they then have all of your details, which uh, you know, I don't yeah. want. I'm not. Happy. I don't yeah. want that in the hands of the wrong people. And again, hackers. All it takes is someone getting into your account, and they've n- not only got access to your account, but they've also now got like a scan of your driver's license. Yeah. They know your mother's maiden name, all that good stuff. So, yeah. I realise there are problems with anonymity, and there does need to be a lot of work done to stop it being abused. But it also needs to be protected less so for people like us i mean yeah. okay it could, it could be potentially damaging if uh, a nefarious individual some social engineer gets hold of all my personal details but if i live in dubai yeah iraq yeah korea you know north korea china and the government is running those things and i post something they don't like yeah you um, get locked up Stung you get locked up <laughs> or you get disappeared you know you get black bagged and never seen again and it's like yeah we that's that's the trade-off it's it's a it's an uncomfortable situation i 
do not know enough. I am not educated enough to make a call. Oh on no, that. Me but, God, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I'm here asking questions. I'm not here. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like I've heard over the year or so that this has been getting becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Mm. I've been. Lots of people have been have had their say, their opinion. Like people, you should have to. Everyone should be given an ID, and that ID should have to have to be used to open an account on any social media. Mm. Ugh, don't I don't like that. Yep. Like I can't remember the rest of them off the top of my head, but I haven't seen one yet that really sits with me where I think that's a great idea. Yeah, They're, they've all got major flaws to them, yeah. but at the same time. I do believe something has to be done. Like I'm, I know somewhere in the world right now, Neve is shitting himself listening to this because we, we're doing him out of, out of a career. Because <laughs> no anonymity, there's no catfish. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think like, who the fuck do I know? Named Neve. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the same time, like not everybody can be trusted. That's that's the problem, because if everybody could be trusted, then I'd have absolutely no issue giving all my details over to a service like that. No, I'm not, but then no, if everyone could be trusted, you wouldn't need to do that. So it's it's because people can't be trusted and all it takes is one nefarious player and you're I'm suddenly not, on a fucking yeah, you're suddenly ne- on a download list. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily talking about like the people in charge. Like everybody has a voice right now. Mm. But not everybody can be trusted to use that voice properly. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not no saying one... don't go online and spend the next like eight hours a day for the next four years talking about why the Star Wars sequels are shit. I'm not saying don't go on there and spread like your negative opinion on media, on politicians, on on those kinds of things. I but mm. something needs to be put in place to stop. Like, there's, there's a line, isn't there? There's a line where it crosses, it, you cross over from expressing your displeasure at something to personally I, attacking someone. Yeah. And that's, like, yeah, that's unacceptable. I, I nearly got in trouble with Facebook yesterday because. <laughs> How? Already? Yeah, because um, Rosie had posted this thing. I don't know if you saw it. It was a post about a girl that was, she messaged some guy like, D6 and he replied oh, the a question. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. basically in his comments he'd be like, I'd bang her. And I looked at the picture and the girl looks about 15. So I said she looks 15. And he's like, and he, I can't remember what he said. And I so I come back to him and said, Oh, so you're into young young, ugly girls. <laughs> <laughs> I thought more of you than that. And as I posted it, a message came up saying, um, it's possible this breaches bullying rules on Facebook. There's a there's a potential this could be taken down. Do you yeah. still want to post it? I was like, yeah, I'm going to post it because the person I'm posting it to not is a <laughs> bigger troll than me and knows that I'm just playing. So there are there, there, there are there are a lot of messages coming place. over the last over the last few months. Um, yeah. They've started introducing stuff like on Twitter. Um, if you you know if someone tweets out an article, a link to an article, and you just hit retweet. It says, you know, you should read. It now pops up and says, you should really read this article so you know what you're sharing, which is good um, because it's like, oh, okay. I don't normally do that anyway. I I only retweet things that I've actually read and usually things that I've understood so that if anyone asks me questions on it. (laughs) Um, But 
Um, yeah, they started doing that. And, and if you post something relating to coronavirus or COVID-19, it picks up on it and it says, is this post, you know, you're mentioning this, is this disinformation? You know, yeah. this may breach community guidelines if it's blah, 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 which is great because, you know, they need to pop these things up so that when they do take them down, they, they, and people go, oh, I'm being censored, I'm being censored. It's like, no, you were warned. You were warned that if you posted something that breached it, it would get taken down. You went ahead anyway. We're taking it down. But in yeah, that it's, case, um, how does this Gaia page still work? Because like the day, because I went, I was gonna try and once I kind of I read it all and I went away, and then about four hours later, I was just like, oh no, idiot! You like talk about this on the podcast. This is something yeah. you can talk about. You actually have an intro this week. If you, like, if, so I went back to try and take screenshots of the messages yeah. so I could read them out, but I couldn't find the post. But what I did find was video after video of the video promoting fucking David Icke. <laughs> if you're not allowed to post this information, how the fuck is David Icke on social if you, media? If you pay, if you if you're a large enough presence on there, so Facebook are making ad revenue off of the people you're drawing in, uh, or if you are paying enough to advertise on there, which obviously you can do, you can pay to advertise yeah, on yeah. Facebook. If you're paying above a certain threshold, Facebook, they won't officially admit way. it, but yeah, they will look the other way. And it takes a certain amount of reports or a certain amount of like, it, you know, news coverage sort of thing before they'll actually step in and do anything. But yeah, again, it's the, it's a whole 1% thing. If you have, yes. if you have the money rich getting richer and the poor just getting fucking abused. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The poor getting suckered into believing this bullshit. This is why, anyway, <laughs> this is why I'm a big fan of things like, youtube and just like podcasts in general like we can we post podcasts up every single week no one from apple spotify anyone comes to us and says um are you sure the jokes you make in your podcast aren't <laughs> like there is a protection of freedom of speech where we can say whatever we want put it online and yeah. we only get consequences if people listen to it and take offense I'm all for that because that allows people like us, that allows anybody to make content and change their life. Yeah. But just it annoys it just annoys me that people abuse their anonymity. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's always people it's always not just racist like homophobes, fucking Trump tards, all these people that are that are using social media for nefarious ways. It's just yeah. Yeah, noise the fuck. There's, out. there's always people that take advantage of, of any system. It's, it's oh yeah, absolutely. There's it's human nature. Yeah, like when the government went, okay, we're going to furlough people, and we're going to give out all these business grants to help struggling businesses. And then, <laughs> like a month later, I see on the news that like they've lost billions because people were starting companies and claiming and claiming, yeah, that aren't even real. There's always a loophole. Ah, we should have, we should have registered. We should have reg registered touching as a company. We could have claimed yeah. the fucking. Oh mate, we missed a trick there. No, I don't. I don't think we would have got a grant. I think we would have got a business loan, and we would have had to have paid it back. So uh, yeah, no fuck yeah. that. Like <laughs> we can't keep our small business going. Well, how do you run your small small your small business? Um, from my bedroom on my laptop. There's no there's no reason you can't <laughs> run your small business. You don't but need I need to, to buy out. more stickers to put on my notebooks. Yeah. That's a lie. I, need I don't need any more. I have hundreds. <laughs> yeah. I need more notebooks, goddammit. I write too many fucking notes. 
Oh, right. I have. I, I really did not expect to find myself in this quandary. Now, I posted up on on the old socials the other day. Yeah. Um, I shared that picture of my my first notebook for Touching. That's the that's the book I've been using to write my notes on the films and shit that we've been watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I was then I was then accused of, of, of having making it look like it belonged to a year eleven student. Thanks for that, Ash. Um, <laughs> but and then I was like, okay, well, well, I need I need a new one. Obviously, over the festive period. I didn't need yeah. to because I wasn't writing notes. And then I have, I've got a different notebook that I use for our book club episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, right, well for, for this week's episode, um, I need a new notebook. I was like, Oh, I've got a stack of notebooks. It's fine. I went through them and I'm trying them out. And I'm like, Oh no, no, that's, that's too floppy. Oh, that one's too yeah. small. This one's, I don't like this one. I spent fucking weeks trying to find a notebook that I liked in order just to write, just to scribble some notes about fucking Kirk Douglas with a baseball bat. Not Kirk Douglas, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, yeah. And it's just like, uh, what? How? What happened to me, man? Jesus, uh, I've I changed. <laughs> I filled my Harry Potter one like literally weeks ago or months ago. I'm now seventy percent through the book that's the uh, notebook that Stacy sent me. <laughs> my like personalized touching notebook, which is fucking awesome. But I've got another book that I use for book club. I've got another one that I use for another project and I've got another one that's for another project. So I just oh, got God, this stack yeah. of notebooks and I can see like this time next year, I'm just going to yeah, so many fucking notebooks. I'm like literally I... keeping the notebook community alive right now. <laughs> the only place I used, used to use notebooks was at work. I'd have one, like I've got one here next to my, my um, mouse. And I'd use it to scribble things down. You know, people yeah, phone me up yeah, and yeah. ask me something or the site I needed to look up, I would scribble it down. And that was the only time I used it. Um, and then various projects that I started sort of last year required notebooks. So yeah. I, 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 it was handy because I got a load of them from, from conventions and, and expos and things like that for work. Yeah. That Where they're giving away the freebies on the stands and just fill up a backpack with their shit. Um, just how come I've got a stack of them behind me. And I was like, okay, that's great. And then I started like using them. And yeah, like I said, I've got about half a dozen. I mean, active at the moment. I've got obviously my my book club one. I've got the one new one I've just started for this. I've got this one next to my PC here for scribbling yeah. notes. We've got at least one on the PC downstairs that both me and Amy use. I've got one that I started the other day for that Warhammer fantasy role play that yeah. I'm doing. I'm also going to have to do one for the D and D campaign I'm starting. It's just like <laughs> so many and they're, all, they're all separate and they have to yeah. be kept separate because I'm filling each of them up individually. It's like. Oh my god! I'm going to an archive. I'm just getting like a fucking filing cabinet or something to put all of my old notebooks in. I've I've got a box in my loft that's full of notebooks, basically all just full of songs. Because <laughs> oh I yeah, I've got notebooks. those down there. <laughs> yeah, I used to use my notebooks to write songs in, and just lyrics and whatever. So I got loads in storage in my loft at the moment. Every now and then I go through them, and yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Three massive A4 ones there, full of full of songs and lyrics and other notes. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't get back on the fucking shelf now. Ah! When, ah! when I die, someone's gonna go through all my store, all the stuff I've got in storage, open a box <laughs> full of notebooks, and just be like, "Oh my god, this kid oh, was like, this kid was weird, depressed, <laughs> made so many pointless notes he didn't even use for the podcast." Like, <laughs> One day, people are going to get a real insight into what goes on in my head. 
Uh, I'm just grateful that I'm dead by that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember um, I went on holiday with a mutual friend of ours and his family went to Florida. This was, I was what, 19 at the time, I think. And it was it was his parents and one set of his grandparents. And because we were both going out, we were we were in the throes of, of you know, we were going to be rock. We were going to be rock stars at the time. Oh, and we were yeah, both yeah, going yeah. out there to buy uh, to buy guitars. Yeah. So we was like, yeah, yeah, we can get a good deal on them and bring them back. And yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, we I did, did exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. I got a really nice guitar, actually. I, uh, I've still got it somewhere. Uh, actually, it's sat next to me. That's entirely relevant, even to this irrelevant story. But uh, <laughs> I remember I took my songbook with me as well. So that yeah. should I get inspired, I could I could write a song while I was out there lounging in the Florida sun or something. Yep, been um, there, done that. And I came, we went out somewhere and we came back and his granddad was sat there at the dining table, just finished reading my fucking songbook. Yeah, and I was I, like, I have no idea where you were going with this, but the, <laughs> the minute you said you just got back, I was like, oh, I've had this story. Yeah, it was just I was sad. So angry. It. I was like, hi. He was like, oh, so that was an interesting read. I was like, really? Yeah. Like, so, did you? Do you mean all of that you've written in there? I was like, if I didn't mean it, it wouldn't have been written in there, would it? And it was like, oh no. I was like, uh, can I? Can I take that back now? I'll go and put that away, shall I? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Would you read like, someone's diary? He like, probably would have. Yeah. He probably bloody would have. I just God. hope it wasn't one of the books I used to write shit in because No, it Jesus. was. It was. Yeah. All of my songbooks was... have got scribbles from you in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the stuff he was questioning. It's like, are you really this depressed that you want to take your own life? <laughs> you're like, no, that's the other one. <laughs> that's the other one. Honestly, I'm... I it's like, like oh, you're the soppy cunt that keeps writing love songs to girls yeah. that don't like you. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was the dynamic the one, in our band, guys. Yeah, not the one that wants to kill himself because girls don't like him. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, like, yeah, I've been, always been very cautious. Like, my notebooks, even the ones I use for the podcast, they're in a place that they kept in a place that no one's gonna, no one's ever gonna see them. Like, even though there's, I've got nothing to hide now, I'm still I'm conditioned to keep these <laughs> things private. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been committed. If anybody have seen, had seen them books I used to write my songs in, mate, I would have been committed by about page seven. <laughs> <laughs> you give it all that. You were just another angsty teen slash early 20-something. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that but was, you got, was a, you got to remember. There was a dozen is, of you for every gig at the square. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was the late 90s, not 2021. People didn't understand the words mental so that's health. That's true, actually, yeah. People just thought you were fucking nuts, psycho, and wanted, like, you know what I mean? People didn't, un- there was not a big push to understand that mental health is a real thing. You know, do you know what? I've decided what I'm getting you for, for, for Christmas this year. What? I'm going to go on Wish and get a personalised straight jacket that says fuck <laughs> across yeah. it. I've decided. And that's and then I'm going to take you out to the town centre and just walk you around. Put you on one of them sack barrows like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> just wheeling you around with touching a podcast about things we like across the front of your, your, your straight jacket. Can I get one of them little masks as well? Oh, yeah. yeah you'll have to have one of the masks, yeah. All right, I'll start practising <laughs> my... I can't even do it. Yeah, I'll start practising my impression now just to freak people out. That's it. Look out for that, guys. We'll make a video. The thing is, that like anybody that knows me in real life would be like, oh, 
I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> yeah, finally <laughs> came. Yeah. Finally happened. I mean, it's yeah. odd that they're, ta- they're taking him through the middle of the town centre, but yeah. yeah. Maybe Mental health ain't to... what it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're trying to humiliate him into sanity. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, sanity shaming. Nice. Yeah. Right, come on. Let's move on to the actual subject. Right, it's your it's your choice this week. So you tell people what you're about to kick off about. <laughs> yeah, heads up there, guys. Um, I chose falling down because, come on, we all we this is this is we talk about living out your fantasies. This this film this is a this is a, a secret fantasy for I would imagine anyone that works in the corporate world. <laughs> Just anybody at the end of 2021. Just like. Fuck everything. Fuck everything. Fuck Give me a gym bag full of guns. Sprint. Yeah. So, yep, falling down, obviously, Michael Douglas. I alluded to that earlier. So, without further ado, on to some trivia. Trivia. <laughs> it was released February 26th, 1993, which makes it old as balls. Uh, a budget of 25 million US dollars. Oh, I didn't know it cost that much. No, neither did I. But Surprise, to be fair, box office only forty point nine million dollars. Only. Yeah, I mean, I say only, but you know, with some of the other numbers we've seen yeah, in this yeah. section, that's that's fairly middling. I think it, it it's one of those ones that kind of took off a bit more slowly, and it kind I think of it's uh, more of a cult like. Yeah. Once it got, once it made its way to video and DVD, it found its audience. Yeah. And everyone yeah. was just like, oh, my God, this is a masterpiece. Um, directed by Joel Schumacher and written by, uh, I really, I was going to look up how you pronounce this, Ebro Smith or Ebby yeah. Rose Smith. Uh, yeah. I would have Eb- gone with Eb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, been Eb Rose Smith. at the end before the last day, Ebby, but Eb I would have gone for. Yeah, but I know names can be weird. So I. Yeah. there we go. We're going with Eb. Ebro Smith, you wrote this. That's your name now. Don't at me. Um, starring. Michael Douglas, Robert Duval, and Rachel, another name I can't pronounce, Ticotin, Ticotin? Um, spell it. T-I-C-O-T-I-N. Ticotin. Ticotin. Ticotin? Because it's not, it's a C. Rachel K. T. Yeah, Rachel T. <laughs> Rachel That's T. Yeah. Um, Michael Douglas has stated that this is his favourite role of all the films he's been in. Really? Playing playing Bill Foster in this was apparently is apparently his favourite role. Um, and his father, Kirk Douglas, yeah. has gone on record saying he considers this his son's best performance. So uh, the Douglases are big fans of uh, Bill, yeah. Bill Foster, apparently. <laughs> I mean, weren't this motherfucker just in like one of them Ant Man films? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. This is this is this got some hardcore acting. It to be fair, Michael Douglas does a really good job in this film. Yeah, I, he does. I, I will give him that. Yeah, he's he. Yeah, he, he's got some serious acting chops in this film. He puts his serious eyes on and everything. Um, I think maybe I've got a bit of a thing against Michael Douglas because he gave so much head to women that he got he got throat cancer. It's just it's unfair that any one man should be getting that much action <laughs> is that actually don't, don't i mean i'm in pain don't make me laugh 
Is oh. that actually a thing? Did he genuinely get throat cancer from sucking too many fannies? I <laughs> I vaguely remember seeing an article somewhere where he claimed that. Can you actually? Can you Google it? Will <laughs> one eternity later? This shit. One eternity later. Michael Douglas has revealed that his stage four throat cancer was the result of an HPV infection that he got from oral sex. Yeah, told you. <laughs> this isn't one of them times that I vaguely remember something and it turns out oh, I've made it up. This one's fuck. Now, I, thought you, I thought you would have known this being a depraved pervert, but. I just. I'm, uh, wow. Just. I have no words. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I take from this is if you ever get a chance, don't go down on Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh, fuck, man. I mean. <laughs> What the Jesus, Miss Jones, sort your snatch out. If he's giving throat cancer to your husband, there's something wrong down there. I, I heard a, what do they call it? PVB. HPV. I heard about this a long time ago and I thought it was just bullshit. So I, I did actually look it up and that's how I know it's true. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Wow. I just, just wonder, like, case, like, why aren't there more cases of like, Throat cancer in the lesbian community. There you go, I mean, people. Catherine Jones speechless. isn't a lesbian? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, she, she's the only one with an infected snatch. She's patient zero, is she? Maybe there are no, maybe like there are, are no Welsh lesbians. That's why. Maybe it's ah. only Welsh vaginas that are radioactive. Plutonium 251 up in their snatches. All their dildos glow in the dark. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If you're a Welsh lesbian, reach out to us. Right. <laughs> trivia before we before we get ostracized by the lgbt community (laughs) the original script for this film was turned down by every major studio in hollywood and the producer arnold coppelson was considering approaching a cable tv company when uh michael douglas came across the script and pronounced it one of the best he'd ever read and obviously threw his superstar weight around and got the film made which is nice um the Iron Maiden song, Man on the Edge, is based on this film. Oh. Just full disclosure, I've never heard that because I don't like Iron Maiden. <laughs> the Whammy Burger cashier, Miss Folsom, <laughs> is played by Michelle Pfeiffer's younger sister, Dee Dee. Ah. Yeah. Oh. Shut up, Pop. Yeah. Is she a, is she a uh, my, Michelle Pfeiffer fan? No. <laughs> she's, she's a Michelle Pfeiffer hater. Oh, okay, that yeah. explains it. I just translated. She said, "Fuck that cunt." So, Fuck that cunt. <laughs> but not well, with your mouth, you get throat cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buy one of those strap-on uh, mouth dildo things that I've it seen. Hurts every time I laugh. I told you this already. Oh, it sounds like a you problem, man. I'm not, yeah. not gonna lie. Um, now, Joel Schumacher envisioned his friend Michael Douglas yeah. in the lead role for this film. However, Douglas at the time had planned to take a break from acting as he had just done two films back to back and wanted to spend some more time with his family. Yeah. Douglas agreed to read the script after Schumacher basically like kept pestering him about it. Yeah. Um, and as we said, he, he decided it was one of the best he'd ever read. Uh, and it was only the presence of such a popular actor as the lead, which allowed the film to not only get made, but get a much higher budget than they mm-hmm. had originally been asking for. Um, Douglas believed the film to be an important one that had to be made. So he agreed to take a much lower salary just so that the film could have more money to put into being made, which yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's commitment there. I mean, I can imagine his salary was probably still huge, but yeah, uh, yeah. 
Wouldn't it be like, nice to be in a position where you're like, yeah, I'm just going to take some time off work to hang out with the family. I, I did some work. <laughs> I did like two jobs back to back. So I'm just going to. Yeah, I've, I fixed two computers today. I'm going to take yeah. I'm going to take uh, 18 months off to go and hang out with my family. You know, yeah. you know yeah. how it'd be. <laughs> How the other you know, half lives. You know, you'd be back to work in three days because they'd be sick of you, right? Oh, I'd be thoroughly sick of them. Christ. Yeah. I spent nearly a year stuck in a house with a pair of them. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, I'm, I, it's a miracle they're not both buried in shallow graves out in fucking Epping Forest. Um, yes, somebody says, but I haven't laid eyes on either of them since we recorded that Christmas episode. So, what can I say? I mean, you know, the yeah. Bailey's kept warm for ages. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, the song. London Bridge is falling down appears several times throughout the film, obviously, which is an allusion to the name of the film falling down. We now have your favorite part of my trivia section. Yes. Alternate casting choices. Now, there there are there are a fuck ton, actually, for Bill Foster, at least. Uh, I've only managed to find uh, alternate choices for two of the characters, although they are two of the main roles. Most of them being for Bill Foster. Yeah. Now brace yourself here. For the role of Bill Foster, they considered Jack Nicholson, Ed Harris, Robert De Niro, Alec Baldwin, Jeff Bridges, Nick Nolte, Mel fucking Gibson, Michael Keaton, Robin Williams, Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, and Al Pacino. Uh, there's only two of them that I would buy. And that's Jack Nicholson and Robert De Niro. I'm See, not sure... I- Jack Nicholson, I can't see that at all. No, I can. He's got that. He's got a certain level of insanity in his eyes. Like, I think that's the problem. He'd be too insane right from the off. Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, my first note. We'll get to it when we get to linear notes. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, no, I, I can see Michael Keaton Jackson. doing that. I could. I could see Michael Keaton doing it. It would have been a very different portrayal of the role, but I could see him doing that. Mm. Robin Williams, uh, no, no, I don't no. think that would have worked. At the time, obviously, he was he was just a comedy actor, yeah. basically. That, that was his peak of being a comedic actor. So, um, I'd have liked to have seen Harrison Ford doing it, but I don't think he would. He does crazy very well. I just think it's not. He's not typecast, but in a more subtle way, there's too much hero about him. Yeah, yeah, he's too much. He's very like, heroic, isn't he? Like you, you empathise with him the second yeah. he comes on screen in a way that, like, you wouldn't for Michael Douglas. Like, you don't instantly look at him and go, "Oh, I have a preconceived notion of what I'm going to get." Now, yeah, if he did it and he pulled it off, then it's probably an Oscar because it's so far away from what he would normally do. Yeah, what he's normally do, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think they made the right choice with this one. So oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Get Douglas. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only other one are for Lester Prendergast. Yeah. Um, and obviously in this film he was uh, played by Robert Duvall. Yeah. But the alternate casting choices for him were Gene Hackman, yeah. Sidney Poitier, Ooh. Ooh. and Ooh. Paul Newman. Paul Newman, no. What was the no. first one? Gene Hackman. Yeah, I'd buy that. I could see, I could see that one. Yeah. Now, this film would take a weird leap. 
if Sidney Poitier had been cast as the character. That would because have been there's very different. Fair, they, they discuss race a lot in this oh, film. Yeah. Like, race is a huge theme. Mm. So to have like the, the, the sergeant be black, I would have given it some extra layers. I can, yeah, I can definitely see that working. Yeah. yeah, I think that would have worked. Again, it would have been very different, but it it would have worked. I think when it did, might have led more. When I did think Lethal Weapon come out? Oh, 80s, late 80s, maybe. Maybe that's why they didn't go with that. Yeah, yeah. Because it would have put it too close, you know, so close to retirement. Yeah. The Black Sergeant. Yeah, I, th- I think that may have, maybe that played into it. I also think it would have there it would it would have been a statement casting yeah the role for the black sergeant to be chasing down this white guy that yeah has some very funny opinions on on the country that he lives in it would have been yeah. a statement there would have been some extra levels to this film that i think, I think they it, might it have would have there would have been too many layers at that yeah. point yeah that yeah it, it would have been would too have muddied the water, I think. average uh, film goer. Yeah. It's funny you should mention race at this point mm. because uh, this film was banned in South Korea. <laughs> yeah. The, the Korean American Coalition protested the film's treatment of minorities, including the South Korean grocer, Mr. Lee, and threatened to boycott the film. Eventually, this resulted in its complete ban at the time in South Korea on its release. On, I can only think, yeah, two separate occasions they point out like racial bias though don't they mm-hmm. so is how, the, how was it it's, a, it's it's a film that oh, are they we, get into this, we get into this on i've got a note on, okay, on this, we'll get to this topic later, so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that particular rabbit hole there yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> and now we have a completely pointless piece of trivia to promote the release of baby got back so Mixalot Studio sent a giant 20 foot by 15 foot inflatable butt yeah. around the country in the April of 92 when this film was being made. Obviously, that same month, this film started shooting in L.A. and the inflatable butt makes a cameo during the it phone does, booth yeah. scene. I remember <laughs> sitting there being like, oh, I know Sir Mixalot. I know Sir Mixalot, yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. That's a nice little timestamp right there. If you, um, if you if you needed a second timestamp during the the pivotal finale of the film, there are two MC Hammer posters directly in the yes, shot. Yes, there are They're nearly all all times. <laughs> I remember sitting there the first time watching it last night, thinking at some point someone paid marketing money to market MC Hammer. <laughs> I mean, it must have worked because here we are. Yeah. Like, how many years later? And we still, you say MC Hammer, everyone knows who you're talking about. Yeah. And Dutch just do, 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 do. Cody sings that from time to time. Yeah. Just busts out into MC Hammer. It's that one song in the parachute pants. You ask anybody to name you a third thing about MC Hammer, and I bet no one, no one can. Didn't he do that Adam's Family song? I don't know. The Adams Family movie. I think he. I think it was him. To be fair, it could have been him also in Mixalot because I get those two yeah. confused a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, Brent. Brent. Fuck's sake! I can't even talk. Brent Hinckley 
who plays Rick, the Whammy Burger manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also played a fast food burger manager in an episode uh, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Double yeah, Meat did. Palace of season yeah. six, apparently. I, yeah, I threw that in there because I knew you'd get that. <laughs> yeah, after Buffy comes back from the dead, her mom's dead and she has to look after her little sister, so she has to go and work in fast food to make ends meet. And he's the manager in the shop, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus! There I just go. pulled an entire episode synopsis from an episode I haven't seen in like fifteen years. Oh, <laughs> Amazing I've, what you can remember, isn't it? Yeah, I've got too much pointless information in my head. If only I, I had something that would give me a qualification. If <laughs> I could retain useful information at the rate yeah. at which I retain pointless information, I pointed out to a friend of mine uh, the other day. We were talking about uh what i was saying about the other day about getting my my gaming systems confused yeah, yeah we were chatting about that and i was like you know i struggle to remember my own my only child's birth date but i can tell you that in third edition warhammer 40,000, the las cannon had a 3d6 plus nine saving uh penetration roll attack roll with a minus six saving throw modifier yeah. Now, I will never need to know that because I can never see myself playing a game of Warhammer 40,000 third edition rules ever again. But it's there in my head forever. Yeah. There was a Why? point in time once I'd exited full time education that I started seeing all these articles that, like, you could do a degree in pop culture. You could do a degree in like these things that, I, and I was just like, "Why didn't you come ten years earlier? Yeah. I could be a qualified pop culturist by now." Ah. <laughs> yeah, that'll look good on your CV. <laughs> Applying yeah. for sensible jobs. Oh, I see here you have a degree in pop culture. Okay, well, thank you for coming in. Uh, don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah, but I wouldn't be applying for, for sensible jobs because surely if there's a qualification in it, there's a work placement you could get from it, right? Yeah, podcaster. Oh, <laughs> Internet blog writer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when people say, oh, what gives you, what qualification have you got that allows you to tell me what's good and what's bad? And you go, ah, excuse me, send a picture yeah. of your, your diploma in pop culture. <laughs> I got a 2 1 in pop culture, bitch. <laughs> Back off. Back yeah. off. <laughs> um, the Whammy Burger scene was filmed yes. on the 12th of May, 1992. The 12th of May, 1992 is the, well, the 12th of May is the birthday of Homer J. Simpson and Emilio Estefes. It is also the day Kyle Reese arrives from the future in The Terminator. Do you know what else it is? No. You don't even know the anniversary of the first episode of your own podcast coming out? Apparently not, no. (laughs) See, if I'd known that, that would make that trivia make much more sense, be much more relevant to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's the day that the first episode of this podcast came out last year. So our our podcast shares its birthday with Homer J. Simpson and is also the day that, wow, there's some synchronicity that we did not plan right there. No, I know. We need to to watch Mighty Ducks next. Yeah. (laughs) I refuse to watch The Simpsons anymore because it's not the 90s. Come on, people, Um, let it go. Yeah, that's weird. I, I retained that bit of information. I don't know why, but you told me a long time ago. And then the other day I was having to fill out my Facebook profile and it was like job. I was like, uh, I don't know, co-host of Top Jig. And it's like, when did you start your job? And I was like, ah, oh, 12th of May. Ah, uh, so <laughs> yeah. 
<coughs> there you go. I didn't know that, uh, which I probably should have done since it was me that uploaded it. Um, but ho hum, I wasn't paying attention, obviously. Mm. Um, were we in a heat wave at the time? My brain doesn't work so good in the hot. Or apparently yeah, was... when I'm recording this episode, judging by that sentence. <laughs> Anytime you're not getting paid, your brain just doesn't work. My brain's just like, fuck yeah. off, mate. Um, body count, six. Which is less than I thought. But yeah, I think yeah. Like, I always thought he's had a higher body count. I thought he shot a lot more people, but he doesn't. Yeah. At least not fatally. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't start killing motherfuckers till like halfway through, does he? He escalates yeah. slowly to that. Well, not slowly. He escalates to that point. He escalates yeah. to that point. Um, every weapon that Foster uses throughout the film in order. Baseball okay. bat, butterfly knife, a Taurus PT-92, a Colt Mark IV. A Smith & Wesson Model 30, an Intratech Tech 9 KG9 version, an Ingram Mac 10 Open Bolt Submachine Gun IMI, an Uzi Submachine Gun, yeah. a Remington 870 Sword Off Shotgun, and an M72 Law Rocket Launcher. <laughs> they haven't included. They, they haven't included the water pistol, the no. transparent blue plastic water pistol, which, you know, to be honest, is a failing in imdb yeah. and me for not adding it in myself but there we go i'm um, mentioning it now <laughs> so how much money do you think they got for their 25 million budget from the gun association of america what they call dnra nra yeah. probably yeah. not a lot because this doesn't paint them in a very positive light no, all the guns right. were taken from hispanic yeah. gangsters which are not the sort of gun owners the nra no. likes to be associated with no the rocket launcher was taken from a nazi Oh, yeah, the rocket launcher was taken from a Nazi. Sorry. So Hispanic gangsters and Nazis. I mean, well, to be fair, yeah. it's, it's only Hispanic gangsters they didn't want to be associated with because the NRA is basically... Love a Nazi. Yeah. They love a fucking Nazi. I mean, I'm not saying they're all Nazis, but they're definitely all Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> they may not all have a secret stash of Nazi paraphernalia like Nazi Nick does in this film, but, you know, they all... Same, they all same. Well, his name's Nick, um, oh, and he's okay. Nazi, so I've called him Nazi Nick because, you know, I want to be yeah. relevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not Nazis to be are relevant. Confused, not to be confused with Nasty Nick from that first exactly. season that was, that was Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the pun or play on words. Um, all my notes called him William, by the way, and not Bill or Defence. So I'm just going to call him William as we go through. Okay. Then Minute <laughs> William... The minute William opens his mouth in the store, I hate him. I want bad things to happen to him. <laughs> wow. Okay. I yeah. mean, don't, it's when don't go around the houses the... in a little car, will you? Say what you nice. mean. In my country, you've come to my country and you can't even be bothered to speak the language. In my country, we do this. Fuck off. It's not your country. Yeah. He doesn't. He, he's... he's uh... His first sort of interacting scene doesn't really paint him in a very good light. It's funny because that first scene where he's in the in the traffic jam. Yeah. That I mean, at that point, I I really, really empathize with him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, He then kind of spoil. He he spends those uh, those brownie points that he earns there, that goodwill, by immediately being racist. (laughs) And I think that's why. Obviously, it's built into the narrative that he comes face to face with a real racist and gets yeah. offended. By him. So you can discern that he's 
misguided and not necessarily yeah racist, it's, it's i think that, that that seems more it's more frustration than yeah. any actual ill feeling towards him based on race it's especially yeah like i said given what he does later yeah. um it's just he, yeah, he comes across he comes across like so many fucking idiots that voted out yeah to, yeah um uh, we've all been where foster is in that traffic jam scene where things just keep piling up and piling up over a period of time until there's that last straw that breaks the metaphorical camel's back and you go on a day-long rampage as your sanity starts to unravel under the crushing and unfair weight of a world that doesn't care and a society that wants to grind you to dust and you're powerless to change it and the realization of that just makes you want to break out and shoot up somewhere dude we're recording a podcast not an Instagram story video where you got to fit like two minutes of narrative into 30 seconds. You can slow down <laughs> a little bit. Sorry, I got a little bit carried away there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally don't want to shoot someone. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've never once been fucked with by someone and thought about like, you know, getting a whap and rolling up on them when they're not expecting it. I absolutely definitely do not listen to rap lyrics and think, yeah, I know some motherfuckers. I love to pop. <laughs> Never, never in my life have I ever, never. Have I ever thought like that. No. And this this film does something that we do on this podcast, actually. Um, <laughs> what just took this guy's shit? <laughs> <laughs> no, it it it, it establishes uh, very early on that ninety percent of the people in it are grade A assholes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look at these characters and you're like, you're a dick, you're a dick, you're a dick. Actually, you're all right. You're a dick. You're a dick. You're a dick. Even like, doesn't matter what side of the narrative they're on. Yeah, it's not just even. It's not a delineation between like their general public can be dicks, but the police are good because ninety percent of the police officers are just pricks as well. Uh, absolute pricks. It's like, yeah. oh my god, wow. <coughs> this this cast has, or the the characters in this are nearly as unlikable, or there's nearly a. A, a volume of unlikable characters in this film as there are in attack the block it's it's second only to that film in unlikable characters as far as i'm concerned um i just think poor old eb was going for a bad patch in his life when he, <laughs> he wrote was his... having a bad time wasn't he yeah he had some shit tinted glasses on when he when he <laughs> and trust me glasses. i spent the majority of my adult life with shit tinted glasses on i can smell my own i can smell a motherfucker that's pissed off at the world around him and, but all credit to him he took that negative negative energy repurposed it and created art so yeah good yeah on him. one of the <laughs> how is this described one of the most i want to say woke but that's not the word i'm looking right. for i'm looking for an actual word that means the same thing um yeah yeah one of the most self-aware films of the 90s yeah. and this, this was because this is a damning critique of just the, the like, city yeah, of LA, the, the corporate yeah. world, just the the world at the time, the US, and yeah, by extension, the rest of the world at that time. Yeah, just it's, like I'm all about people that take the negative energy they feel and they repurpose it into doing something positive, which is why I'm always about like creatives that use creativity to take themselves out of shitty situations and go legit and things like that. So. Or like us, we take a shitty situation and uh, make a shitty podcast so everyone can feel shitty. Yeah. We are, we are situation, shit on it, and then sit there going, "What? (laughs) We're just doing our best." You know, you know how during the during the (laughs) we're doing the best we can do. Um, 
you know how like in the springtime if you if you go out in the countryside you get those big tanks being towed along by tractors just yeah. flinging shit all over the place yeah. that, that is us on That's this podcast funny. yeah <laughs> flinging actual human feces right into your ear tubes you yeah. are welcome universe <laughs> <laughs> If two gangbangers rolled up to me in LA in the early 90s, I wouldn't be cracking wise or trying to reason with them. <laughs> I actually really like his response in that because he is uh, he is so reasonable. With almost just... everyone in this film, he starts off trying to be sensible and reasonable. And like with them, he's just like, oh, sorry. That's this the is theme a... though, isn't it? Like he said yeah. at the end, I did everything they told me to do. I did everything they still... told me to do. He played and, by the rules up to a certain point, and every time he gets kicked in the teeth, and that's when yeah. he explodes and beats, you know, breaks someone's arm with a baseball bat, sort of thing. But and that's why he's, I wouldn't say he's, he's the villain because Pendergast is the hero, but he's the kind of villain that an everyday person can empathise with. Oh to yeah, a degree because he tries reason. He tries to talk to someone sensibly about something. That person's having none of it. And then yeah. he just loses his temper. And he just and loses every it. adult on the planet has been in that position at least once in their life. I, I should probably warn everyone. This film really touched a nerve with me. And I yeah. very much empathize with, with Foster in this film. So, you know, I, I think I have a disclaimer somewhere later on in this. Not to not to report me or put me on any, any more watch, watch lists. But... Yeah, just just a heads up, people. Uh, if... I'll be honest, right? When he when he's in that shop, the, my first thought, like right at the beginning, my first thought is, I hate this motherfucker. I want him to die. My second thought, when he corrects his pronunciation of a word, is, motherfucker, this is ruining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what did it. It's the moment he does <laughs> yeah. that, I'm like, I'm like, oh, you pulled, you played the race card, and then he corrects his pronunciation, and I'm like, all right, all right, yeah. you're my man. <laughs> I'm back I on stand board. you. <laughs> We Probably stand yeah. Foster on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I just honestly, knowing what I know about LA in the early nineties, two gangbangers rolled up on me. I'd probably like just be in the fetal position. Just like, don't, yeah. don't me. please don't shoot me. Like yeah, that to I, me you is. You would expect them just to shoot, wouldn't you? Yeah, that to me is the unre- unrealistic part of that scene. Is it starts trying to reason with them and crack wires <laughs> where, when there's two of them, one of him and. Yeah, he's got a baseball bat, but who knows what they've got? You know what I mean? At this point, his sanity has already started cracking. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Ordinarily, you know, ordinarily, Joe Bloggs wouldn't do that situation. Wouldn't do that in that situation because he wouldn't be there. Even if he was, he would have. He'd have. You'd have just played nice. But yeah, he's starting to lose his grip on reality at that crack, point. Yeah. I do want to go shopping like he does, though. Just take oh, a just, bat. Just go and yeah. say, "How much is this?" No, nope, too much. Smash. Yeah. What about this? No, nope, too much. Oh, uh, you lied about that one because that's more expensive. And fuck yeah. it up. And just as an aside to that, I did my research last night. 85 cents for a can of Coke. Yeah. It's actually a bit of a bargain. Well, at least by yeah. 2020 prices. Because oh, that, yeah. that equates to um, a, currently a can of Coke is about a pound, about a pound in, in yeah. the UK right now. Um, that 85 cents translates to around 62p, depending on the... Uh, the exchange rate at the time. Oh, back in them days, I thought it was um, like you've got double, double the pound. It's not that way now, but I remember. Yeah, like, oh yeah, back going then, to yeah. America a few times, like, and it was you get double the pound. So, hence the reason we bought our guitars yeah, out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're talking forty-two p for a can of coke, like, pff, mate. 
Mate. I mean, I'd, <laughs> I don't drink fizzy drinks, but I might start if they if they if they have action. <laughs> Um, on that scene as well, I haven't seen a butterfly knife in years. Not since I bought one in Germany on a school trip. Because <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Listen, a butterfly knife throwing stars, mate. That the boys on that school trip came back <laughs> to the teeth. People think that like kids these days are bad with their knives. You ain't got a clue. You didn't go on a trip to Germany in the fucking nineties. Yeah. I- I think I have a butterfly knife somewhere. A coach trip as well, where there was no, no <laughs> scanning your bags, no none of that. You could pay- no security or anything. I bought snaps back for my parents, all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's that's the real tragedy of Brexit, isn't it? You yeah. won't be able to go on a on a where was it? Bude, fucking the trip to Bude or or wherever it was that used to take you some shitty place in Germany. Bude's in in Cornwall or is it the south of England? Yeah, we went to. Ge- we went to Germany and Holland. I can't remember. I, I remember being in, in Amsterdam because we went to Anne Frank's house. And I remember the teachers were all at the back of the party and we all come out. We were at the front of the party. So we all come out like 20 minutes before they did. And <laughs> motherfuckers were buying beer from the ice cream man and just <laughs> putting it in their bag. That's not the worst. Right. Like we got to our hotel in Germany and we all got put in our rooms. And, um, like, it got to about 8 o'clock at night. We were all curfewed, gone. And suddenly, I got a knock on the door. Someone's like, we're going to the bar. They're serving us. So, literally, every kid <laughs> on that fucking trip was in this bar. The bar was full of kids. There were no other, like, hotel guests there. All just getting trashed because they didn't give a fuck. And then until somebody, I don't know who, but somebody tipped the teachers off. Like one of the students tipped the teachers off, and they come down, started smelling people's breath. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the real tragedy of Brexit: is that, that yeah, we these can't kids, do that anymore. Cody yeah. will never know that that pleasure. They will no. never go and be able to buy ninja stars from fucking a gift shop in Germany <laughs> and just bring them back on a coach. Uh, that's what you did to us, gammons. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like, I really like the foreshadowing um, where with Beth and Adele when they're rushing back to the house when when Foster is calling them for the first time yeah uh and and Adele says oh can you open this for me and she, her mum opens it and then there's that scene where she's filling up the water pistol at the sink yeah 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 and it's like it it seems, seems like a throwaway scene yeah until at the end obviously we all know what happens there uh, and I was like oh yeah I didn't notice that before mega foreshadowing yeah and there's a there's another scene where she's like out in the garden playing with a dog squatting the dog the, squirting in the, the TV in the and yeah, yeah. Um, they called it a baseball bat. It's more like a rounders bat, right? Yeah, it's not a full size bat, is no. it? It's it's a yeah, it's, it's like, much it's smaller. Like what than we that. would call a rounders bat in this country, yeah. Yeah, well, um, baseball is what we would call rounders in this country. Um, those two, that that uh, Hispanic gang are the worst gang bangers ever. <laughs> two guns, and they still miss. <laughs> I wrote two guns, but then when I rewatched it this morning, every motherfucker in that car's got a gun. You only see two of them hanging out the window actually shooting. But they miss. And furthermore to that, they hit civilians. But we cut to the scene where the civilians are rolling around on the floor and not one of the motherfuckers is bleeding. Yeah. I I, I love how utterly unfazed Foster is in that uh, during the drive-by. Because the, the bullets whizzing around him. It's like people are getting shot down. Shit's being blasted apart. And he just hangs up the phone. And he's just like, eh? 
Yeah. And then when they crash, he then gets his briefcase. He's like, oh, now I'm going to go show some motherfuckers yeah. how to do it. And is just that stop, a... Is that a... I'm not going to panic because I no, I no longer care about my life. Situation. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Shows that he he doesn't care. He is yeah. beyond giving a fuck at that point. He he, doesn't I don't think he's realised either. No, it's no. it's sort of like a yeah. He's just like oh, so they're shooting at me. Okay, oh they've crashed. Well, I'll go and have a word with them. And, yeah. and you know that like if he hadn't seen the guns there, he would have just gone over there and given them a stern talking to. Yeah. Before before leaving them, sort of thing. Um, um, I have a question about his shoe. There's a scene slightly before the... the, the oh, yeah, where, where he's sitting on the rock and he's got a yeah. hole in his shoe. And he looks through the hole in the shoe. I mean, for a start, it's in a different place to yeah, where it is later before he yeah. buys the boots. And the, in this scene, how did he wear a hole in his shoe there? If you're going to wear a hole in your shoe, it's either going to be at the heel yeah. or on the ball of your foot. There, it's in like the arch of his foot, which is the part that basically doesn't come into contact with the floor when you walk. I think that was a bad costume design. Yeah, I just picked that and I was just like, huh? What? <laughs> is that, that's in there to signify that he's, he's skint, right? Before we get, yeah, before, basically to... before the, we get the scene with a non-economically viable guy. Yeah. And then we find out later on what's going on. That's the first hint that motherfucker is. The things oh, aren't going well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was genuinely shocked when you told me that he had a budget of 25 million because late of late I've been praising low budget filmmaking and the way they get around things. Mm. And there's that scene our post drive by where we hear the car crash, but we don't actually see it. But we yeah. cut and they're all crashed, they're all laying there. And I saw it. And the sec- second I saw it, I thought it would have cost too much money to actually film the car crashing. Yeah. Just the technicality of it would have cost too much money. So they you kind of heard it and then they cut to the car crash. So the minute you were like, yeah, they got a budget of 25 million. I was like, what? Why are they putting <laughs> Why are they not showing us these things? They've got no I money. It's because there were uh, this. I, I discovered this when I was uh, doing my, my trivia research on this. Yeah. Um, this was shot right after the LA riots. Uh, in 92. Yeah. Um, filming had already been, they'd started filming then the riots kicked off uh, and they had to stop filming. So they'd already been delays. They had to rent out studio space to shoot stuff that they were previously going to, you know, had already. Yeah. Um, so I think when it came to things like that, they they had to cut back on some things because even though they had a bigger budget, they were still filming in L.A. right after the riots. So oh, yeah, okay. was, uh, I didn't know that. I get that now. Yeah. Well, I assume that's what it is. I, yeah. Makes sense. Um, it makes me sad. That all the dogs in these films we watch are all dead by now. Yeah, oh, don't. This, I this, thought. Yeah, I thought of it last night. There's a scene where where the girl's playing with the water pistol and she's scratching yeah. the dog. And I was like, oh, man, he's ha- look at that good doggo. He's having such a great time. But yeah, yeah. No, he's dead now. He's uh, totally dead by now. <laughs> why? <laughs> there you go. It's ruining all these films. Every film we now watch that, sh- that was shot before about fucking 2010. You're now just going to be like, oh, God, is that dog okay? Oh, is that dog still alive? Dog Independence Day. He escapes the oh, he's well dead. dead. Oh. Yeah, he did. Why? <laughs> I don't care when you make offensive jokes. Don't talk about dead animals, though. It upsets me. <laughs> right. Okay, let me distract the... you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let, let me distract you about something. Um, 
There's something we have we have addressed in several films prior to now, which is <laughs> literally the, the hand... dead dogs and pop got up off the bed and <laughs> ran away. She's like, I'm out, mate. I'm out. This, yeah. this podcast's taking a turn for the worse. Right, distracted. <laughs> Come on. Um, so this film does a good job of handling something we have addressed in several films prior, which is the tension. We've spoken in several films about how they just keep building it and building it and building it and building it. And you end up sort of like uncomfortably tense because you're waiting for something to give. This film doesn't do that. It does a great job of building it up and then letting it out and then building up and letting you get. They usually do it, which I didn't remember until I watched from previous viewings. But watching it last night, it became very clear to me. They have moments of unexpected dark humor to, to break things up some of i mean foster's character several times comes out with things that genuinely made me laugh and it's like should i be laughing at this and it's like well yeah because it's funny the scene is ridiculous when he does that yeah Um, and it really handles the tension very well so that you're not constantly hopped up waiting for something to pop i think the construction of the screenplay helps in the fact that it is a series of short stories mm. almost it's a series of you build the tension up and then he he loses his shit in the shop first yeah. attention you build the tension again and then he has the fight with the two gangbangers you build the tension again as a drive-by and it feels yeah. like every, it's, they do a really good job of dynamics in the way that yes like it's it's very structured as a series of kind of short stories where you build attention pop it build attention pop it and it works really well that's another shout out to ebb for the way that he structured not constructed he structured his screenplay because it works brilliantly in a dynamic example of of him uh of you know basically popping that the the tension budget bubble is right after the drive-by when the cars crash and he walks over and he just looks down at him and he's like you missed yeah (laughs) It's the, it's the bit where he walks away and he's like, you should take some shooting lessons. Take some shooting lessons. <laughs> Was it take some shooting lessons, arsehole? Yeah. <laughs> um, the guy in the red hoodie is the worst hustler I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> at every point. Maybe you as a hobo. <laughs> yeah, at every point. William just is just like, oh, oh, you drove down here, did you? Show me your driving license. Oh, no, that's not working. Oh, you're a Vietnam vet. You were like 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to eat? Because you haven't eaten in three days. What's that in your hand? It's just like constantly. (laughs) That would be me. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, That scene with him him and the the, um, beggar guy. Um, There's a very pivotal scene there. That is a pivotal moment. When, When he says about giving him the, you know, give me one of your bags. He has it takes a moment to think about which one he's going to hand over and handing over his briefcase is very symbolic because he has to choose which one. And both of them have come to represent whether he realizes it or not um, something far more important than what they actually are. Yeah, they're they're, they're both a path he can take and a side of his personality. He chooses to give away the one that represents and ties him to his old life and keeps the one that leads down this darker path of this nihilistic freedom he he seems to be unknowingly pursuing and he gives away his in briefcase ways, and it's like in some ways you could say it's exactly the same as me killing off my old social media and starting a, a new night yeah, exactly yeah. yeah 
you've, you've embraced the path of nihilistic freedom. Yeah. <laughs> fuck everyone that says I did the wrong thing. Um, yeah. No, did it anyone say that? Demonic. Really? <laughs> uh, in fact, like, I've, like, I don't know how many people have added me. Only one person has said to me, what's what it's all about? Everyone else is just like, oh, yeah, I'll just add you with a new name. It's fine. It's 2021. Most people yeah. are under pseudonyms or have manage other accounts these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is very symbolic. It's one of them things that if you're not watching it like we were watching it, it could go completely amiss. It could just be a funny scene with the with the guy that can't hustle for the life of him. Yeah. But you're right in saying it is, it's a turning point. It's where he finally gives up on the notion of like, I am this version of myself yeah and i'm fully embracing this version of myself now yeah, yeah. this is, this um, is he, he steps off of one path onto the other yeah. he's been kind of walking the two and he's reached a crossroads like a fork in the road well, he kind of he's that he starts as the as william should we say yeah. and then through a couple of things happen to him and suddenly he's, he finds himself in possession of a bag of guns which then introduces like really introduces the G.I. Joe, should we call him, side of yeah. his personality. And then he kind of he's carrying them both and he's kind of like, I can I can do this, I can do this. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. But then he hit he meets the hustler and he's like, Oh no, I'm making a choice. I don't want to be yeah. that person anymore. This is what yeah. I'm gonna be. Yeah. Um it takes him three and a half hours to get from the convenience store to the fast food restaurant. How? <laughs> According to Pendergast map, it doesn't even go that far. No, I, I I looked up the the distance that he walks. It's it's overall the whole route is twenty miles long, give or take. Okay. It's it's about twenty miles to go from. Uh, where is it? I've got the actual details of it because I looked this up last night and yeah. I Google mapped it and everything. It ends in Venice, but I can't. I don't know where it starts. According to the internet, Foster walks around twenty miles from the off ramp that connects the one ten westbound to the one oh one southbound to the pier at Venice Beach. Yeah. And that takes him a whole fucking day. And it's I like, get it. I, can, I, get, I get that. that, but it's like that when you break it down into its chunks, there's bits of it where it's like, Well, okay, he he walked like ten miles in two hours. Yeah. And then in that bit, it took him like fucking three and a half hours to yeah. do what works out to about two miles. It's yeah, it's went, all over the place. I was in the Lake District once, and we went out walking for the day, and we walked eighteen miles that day. So I can kind of, it kind of yeah. is almost realistic from my, I can yeah, from my experience, it's quite realistic. It's just like you said, there's certain parts of it he seems to do really quickly, and certain parts that just take him forever. But yeah. I understand <laughs> why it took him three and a half hours. Because he has to be three minutes late for that scene to work. <laughs> yeah, if he'd been three minutes earlier, it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. And it has to it has to start uh, around eight a.m. to convey the point that he's on the way to work. On the way to work, yeah. Which yeah. we we later find out he isn't. That there's a really really uncomfortable scene. The the chat between Prendergast and his police captain. Yeah, it's. Because the captain it becomes painfully obvious. The captain doesn't really know him. He's only really interested in a certain certain type of person under his yeah. employ. Um, and as we find out later, he doesn't even like him. Yeah. They're both aware of this. Prendergast yeah. clearly knows it right from the off. But he's too polite or at that, at that point too 
repressed, I suppose is probably a better word, given what we see from him later in the film, yeah. to actually acknowledge it and make a point of it. Because there are certain other films would, where they like, would have called him out on it. I've been in the position many times where I've known my boss doesn't like me, but I've had to go into a room with that person and play nice because yeah. my job's fine. In this dynamic, it's his last day. So yeah, he doesn't does care. He really have he to? shouldn't care. No. So you would think he 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 would just tell him straight up, no, I don't like you. I know I you don't, don't like me. That's just yeah. that's just completely ignore this facade and go about our business. You'll never have to see me again. But yeah. it's because he's repressed that he plays he plays the nice guy. And I that's, yeah, yeah, that's his character arc, isn't it? Yeah. Um now this is one of my favourite moments in the whole film. And it's really throwaway. But William's observation about the misrepresentation of food in fast food outlets <laughs> is spot on. Yeah, that, that's one of the notes that I make later on, which is going to make people worry about me. But oh, okay. that, that whole whammy burger scene is yeah, yeah. just, I mean, <laughs> you talk about throwaway things. Uh, when when he says, like, is, is that your manager? Can I speak to your manager? And she calls yeah. him over and he's like, yeah. Whatever her name here. Hi, Rick. It's like, Rick, I'm calling you Rick. I'm talking to you like we're old buddies or something. You know, I'm just coming yeah. off the street and they're a stranger and I'm talking to. Um, and she, <laughs> the girl serving him goes, she's sort of like, well, you can call me Miss Folsom if you want. Yeah. <laughs> even, the thing is, even when he pulls the gun out, she still looks slightly sweet on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, there's clearly something about him that she likes, yeah. and it's like, okay, so you're gonna you're gonna flirt with the guy who's got the machine the gun. gun. Yeah, wow. It's, and, to be and fair, goes, if I was an attractive woman, in every situation, I would just be flirting would, with the person. I would be using that. Yeah. yeah, I would be using my feminine wiles. Um, Absolutely. And then, and then he goes full mega Karen in the yeah. whammy burger, whips out the gun, um, and then accidentally shooting the ceiling. Yeah. Apologizing, oh, oh, it was accident. Sorry, sorry, it's a very sensitive trigger. It was accident. <laughs> it turns out it's like I, I feel more comfortable calling you Rick. After all, we've been through. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes to the, the, the restaurant, talking to the others. How's your food? Is that yeah. okay? You enjoying that? Is that is that good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the woman no, just goes, ah. Yeah. That's <laughs> she doesn't like the special sauce, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we got a critic. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, that is brilliant. Uh, I was going to make a blowjob joke then. <laughs> I was going to make a blowjob joke then, but I don't want to throw you under the bus. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd, it's again like a lot of the other scenes were pure tension, but this one, there's a cert, there's like a more humour in this yeah. scene than you've had in the earlier scenes. It's really, it's really well done, but it's the first time we see the interesting part of William's character, which is he's out there doing all these things, but he doesn't actually really want to upset or hurt anybody. No. No. Like you see, it's the first time you see it. You see it later on when he thinks he hurt, he's hurt the little girl until he yeah. realizes. Yeah. You see it. There's a couple of times, like when he's got the rocket launcher and the little kid's telling him how to use it. And he says, right, Stand back. Oh, yeah, step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to hurt anyone. It's yeah. And he said, like, he does come out and address it, like in dialogue. He says, "Look, I'm just trying to get home. If people would stay out of my way, no one would Nobody get hurt." Gets hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, yeah it's, he's he's not on a rampage. He's no. just trying to get from point A to point B, 
and everything is kind of conspiring against him. Whereas with most people, we just get frustrated and mutter under our breath or tap yeah. loudly sort of thing. He's reached that point where he no longer has that. Yeah. Just, that limit's not there anymore. He's that been doing that for gone. long enough now that he feels he needs to escalate just. Yeah, he's just. Just because yeah, he, he knows that's not working. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. That room of Nazi memorabilia. Yeah. Fucking horrifying. Yeah. That. Um, oh, I mean, Nazi Nick. Yeah. I know what I, I said right at the beginning that I wanted William. Bad things to, to happen to William. But. Nothing made me happier than when he, when he shoots him. Oh, he shoots God, yeah, I mean, That's that, that one scene has got to be one of the most offensive scenes in cinema history. Like the amount of times he uses the F bomb, the M bomb, oh, the K bomb. Yeah. Like it's just every other word. It's almost it, like Edward just wanted to, like, just really it's wanted. You really want to drive home. It's like we've got this yeah. one scene where we can use these words. I yeah. want you to use them every other fucking word. <laughs> Is that, that yeah. Nick, the surplus store owner, oh, Nazi Nick, he should come with his yeah. own trigger warning because he is, yeah. I mean, Jesus. I mean, I bet he, he must have triggered you. You must have been there just oh, like absolutely. raging. You I, can't say that! Halfway yeah. through that scene, I was just like, oh, that's when I was just like, this is, got, this is like the most offensive thing I've ever seen. And I've watched American History X. Like, it, you know what I mean? This is, <laughs> this is terrible. How? How? And then it, it kicked to my head. Oh, it's terrible it was bad for enough. a reason. It was bad enough that a- Amy was on the PC at the time that she turned around and was like, whoa, yeah. wow. <laughs> it's like it's just a, just a tirade of just offensive aggression. But it's like... It goes... It's extreme for a reason. It's not yeah. extreme because the writer has these extreme... No, extreme it's, that's, that's the character, isn't it? It's, a, it's an archetype it's of a extreme for a reason because it it puts into perspective it puts william into perspective puts william, it gives him the perspective he needs to realize well, you know no, it, it gives us the perspective we need on william because so far he's just a grumpy person that's pro-america and doesn't like yeah. it but then he comes face to face with someone that says we're the same we're the same and he says yeah we're not the same i'm american you're a sicko and for the viewer like the extremeness of Nasty, uh, not nasty Nick, Nazi <laughs> Nick's um, dialogue really gives the viewer a an a, a better idea of just exactly who William is because he's yeah. not, not that person that you may be thinking he is. This yeah. shows you that he is just a normal person that loves his country that's yeah. just kind of losing his mind. He's not. Like he's not fucking, this. He's not he's this not, extreme person yeah. here. Which, yeah, I mean that, that. Just, I mean, the whole scene is insane. There's when, um, what's her name? Uh, is it Sally, the the female cop. Yes. And she comes in and Sandra. she talks to him. And Sandra, that's it. And uh, old Nazi Nick hides uh, Foster yeah. in the the changing room, sort of thing. Um, afterwards, when he locks the door. And turns around and just, there's that shot of Foster standing there hugging the bag. Yeah, bag, yeah. And it's it's really weird because the the, the positioning, the pose, and the way that whole yeah. scene is set, it looks like a child hugging its yeah. its comfort blanket like or toy. toy. Yeah. It's but it's juxtaposed against the fact that it's this thirty something man who we've yeah. seen, you know, fighting gangsters, hugging a bag of guns protectively. Yeah. It's it's jarringly because it's like 
it's this one thing, but it's framed as something else. The cuteness it's, against the, the actual background is, it's, it's really bizarre. Vul- it's vulnerab- the vulnerability of him. Yes. And clutching the guns because the guns are what is him giving him, finally giving him the power him. Yeah. to take his stand against the world. It's, it, it's another glimpse of like the fact that William is this vulnerable character. Yeah. He's not, he's not a superhero in an action film. He's not, you know, your typical action hero guy. He is this regular guy and it, it kind of shows the wild swings in him because yeah. there he looks genuinely scared that something yeah. bad is going to happen. And yet previously he completely ignored the fact that he was being shot at actively targeted in a drive-by. It's, 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 this... it's the thing that plays out at the end of the film. Mm. It's the notion of, uh, I don't value my life, but, Oh, hang on. I've done it. I've completely forgotten my point halfway through. That's it. He doesn't value his life, but what truly scares him is being stuck, being kept in prison behind bars. Like, yeah. because that is the ultimate, like he feels, he feels like a caged animal anyway. So to yeah. put him in a cage, he's his actually caged. Yeah. But to kill him, it's over. He doesn't have to deal with it anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's it's um it's very clever. It is some, very clever. You watch like this film even, I like, think a lot of people miss the they miss the subtleties in this. A oh, lot of people yeah. are like, yeah, yeah, go get him, yeah, get him, Bill. You you give him hell, boy. And they, yeah. they 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 hold him up as a poster boy, um, as the as rebellion against the state sort of thing, and you know, sticking it to the man. When in fact, he's a very scared, very yeah, broken individual. Yeah. Um, like, and they miss I, out on a lot of these subtleties. Again, like they address it in the dialogue again in this scene where he says, "What kind of vigilante are you?" And yeah, says, I'm not vigilante. I'm just trying not to get a vigilante. Home. Yeah. Um, there's one more thing in that before, scene. Okay, when we get to uh, the end of the scene, I've got some bits on on scenes prior to this one that we've we've kind of skipped over. Okay, there's one thing in this scene: Nazi Santa. What the? Fuck? <laughs> Yeah, because it's only meant to be his arms like that, but he's got it twisted, so you can see the swastika on the yeah. arm. It's like, yeah, that's 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 totally I unnatural. What? Why? I I, I, when I wrote the note, I was just like Nazi Santa. What the fuck? But now I think about it more. Is that's like, is that subtle dark humor? Is that to show you the ridiculousness of this? Of, I, I think it is. It, it yeah. just highlights how ridiculous the the whole nazi character is and yeah. in another way it's it's by extension it's poking fun at nazis in general because it's like yeah. look at what you sack look at what you sad fuckers have to do yeah nazi <laughs> you know, santa gotta make santa a nazi um this this whole scene leads up to another big turning point yeah. for for foster and uh, there's him talking on the phone to beth when he's talking about the point of no return that yeah. that call is i mean it's a genuinely disturbing call oh like, yeah calmly like explaining this situation which you know at the outside has nothing to do with what's going on and then you realize that it's actually it's 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 signposting the fact that that whole thing that the previous scene where he shoots old nazi nick is a massive turning point because from that point yeah that's that's his first active participation in in killing someone because up until then yeah. he's been violent he's been aggressive he shot the the gang uh the gangbanger in the, in leg. the leg yeah um, he even sta- he stabs nick in the shoulder stabs yeah stabs him in the shoulder yeah. um but him shooting nazi nick 
is his point of no return. Yeah. Because he has actively murdered someone, regardless of the fact that the guy deserved it. Um, and That's from then on, what's going to get him life and yeah. not a couple of years. Yeah. It, he, he's, he then spirals down very rapidly from that point as his failing grip on reality yeah, yeah. loosens ever, ever faster sort of thing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, another very pivotal scene for him because, and then we see obviously the change in dress. He goes from the, yeah, the, the button down white shirt and tie. Yeah. G, the G.I. Joe side, as you said earlier, yeah. he kind of finally, takes over. Like as much as I said earlier, like giving away the briefcase and choosing the gym bag was him choosing a life. This is where he really, really, yeah, like he's chosen it, but he's chosen it like, oh yeah, this like he kind of this is where he really commits he yeah fully it's, commits it's stepped fully, along the path isn't it yeah embodies this new gi joe part of his personality yeah there's a there's a couple of uh notes i have uh on scenes just prior to this yeah uh lidecker smarmosaurus oh yeah <laughs> uh, and he's clearly written just to be that unlikable character yeah um just watching this film makes me feel sweaty and grubby. They they did a great job of expressing and capturing the heat and dirt yeah. of, of his day in LA. Yeah. And that the slightly washed out colours that they use for, for most yeah. of this film really helps represent the feelings of, of like of bleak futility that run through this whole film. You know, there's yeah. these people they're just trying to get by day by day, but nothing changes. Nothing gets yeah. better. Um Life and just that, keeps knocking them down every time they get back up again. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a subtle change because in that first scene where he's in the traffic jam, uh, that filter is either really dialed down or not present at all. Yeah. But it's after he disappears off, after he leaves the car and disappears off into the bushes. Yeah. Suddenly that filter comes on and everything's got that sort of faintly washed out sort of thing. And also now... for not using the L.A. That LA smoke LA filter, filter that we spoke about before. <laughs> it's the change in the change in the colours kind of to me signifies, okay, we're now following this story from his perspective. Yeah. Like you're seeing the world through his eyes now. Yeah. And that's why it's slightly different. Like you've got your shit shit cover glasses on. Yeah. Like Every, nothing, for the rest of the nothing film. is really great. The only bits that seem to really stand out are things the, the the real splashes of of color outside of the norm like the yeah. um the snow globe yeah, yeah yeah that comes across very vividly and later on the the water pistol as well because they're both they're both it's in his mind they're both signs of or things that embody hope innocence yeah. his child like i've been there i've been in my life where a part of my life where i hated everything except the girl I was in a relationship with. Like, the rest of the world was fucking... I hated it, every part of it. But, like, I'd go home to her and everything would be good. And so I can kind of see that, like, these are symbols to him of, like, like, she is hope. She is, like, the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why them things pop out. Now, I didn't pay attention enough to notice it. When we're focused on Pendergast and his Mm. storyline, do the colours change? I, I don't think I they didn't, do. I, I can't say that I, I noticed that. I did notice the change, but I didn't go far enough to figure out if there was if it was like, that's his point of view. And then when we go to his story, 
because because they're two very there distinct is, stories. There, there are subtle. There's there's some subtle um, set differences. Obviously, they take take place in different areas. But if you look yeah. at the the places that, that Foster is going through, they're all very all very grubby, run down, very yeah. serious, like out on the street sort of thing. A lot of Prendergast's locations have far more background humour in them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we see him at his desk, and it's been filled with with sand. Um, in the background, there's a there's some kind of stuffed animal head wearing a cap and a tie and things like that. Um, and there's just, there's just a lot more sort of when they have to go stuff. Off. When they have the surprise going away party for him, mm. everyone's wearing colourful hats, like yeah. the strippers wearing a, a colourful <laughs> costume. It, that does seem a when, lot more. When they go now out for lunch, about it, yeah, everyone in the background the there is much, they're much more. Their yeah. outfits more colourful. The set dressing is far more colourful, and it's, it's. I think it, it, it's a subtle reference to their their mental states. Yeah. I mean, although Prendergast isn't they're feeling both great about this, the same character, right? They're both, they're both people that are in situations where through no fault of their own yeah they're kind of an outside force is influencing influence their life in a way they don't like the way they're pushing them down a path they don't want to go down only they both deal with it in different ways yeah it's to to make up their 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 personalities because what we see of, of foster's personality he's very serious he's very you know he's not a fun guy yeah. prendergast is always smiling and he's yeah. he's always you know making light of the situation and and he's the two are very different approaches and in a way foster's breakdown saves prendergast from his own yeah. Yeah. because you could right. see that prendergast after being at lake havasu for the next however many years it would be, he would, in the same would be miserable he would be having his own breakdown they both put their foot down but in very very different very ways they different both break ways. out of it yeah yeah um, the protester outside the bank, Mister Not Economically Viable, yeah, is dressed exactly the same yeah, the as same. Foster. Yeah, even down to the pattern on the tie, it is exactly the same. His outfit, and it's yeah. it's a very very. I'm not entirely sure what they were going for with that scene, but it's a very impactive scene because it's you know, you're it's it's another person, another Foster. Who is yeah. having his own breakdown? He's he's yeah. having his own falling down moment in a different way, which not, is yeah, not due to being overeducated and unskilled, but just due to the world's um, prejudice against his yeah. skin color. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're it's not a, economic I, viable I think anymore. Maybe, like, and I'm I'm thinking of this on the spot. Maybe it's a way of showing that yeah. This white person's going through this thing that all white people can relate to. But don't for a second think that that doesn't affect other races because yeah. they're going through similar stuff, but for different reasons. So if you yeah. just, like, if you can open your mind enough, you'll realize that we're all fucking struggling. We're all except struggling. For yeah. The 1%. And you've just got to realize that whilst they might not have the same problems as you, they have their own fucking problems. They have their own problems, with. and they are basic. They are you in a different situation. I think yeah. it, it shows that Foster's having Foster is in this situation. His his life has fallen apart around him, yeah. but he's not on his own. Yeah, there are there are other versions of him doing the same thing, sort of thing. And it's yeah. it's like you know, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And Foster wouldn't have seen that if he wasn't falling down, so to speak he wouldn't have seen this other guy falling down. But yeah, no. they have that rare moment of connection where he says, don't forget me. Yeah. 
and, and it's that's like, almost like him saying, like, don't, like, I know you're losing. It's almost like him. It's almost like, to a degree, I would say, there's a way of watching that scene, and the non-economically viable guy mm. is William. Yeah, but William is on his way to becoming G.I. Joe at this point. So yeah. could, there's a way of viewing it where that guy, the non-economically viable guy, isn't even real. He's just a part of William's psyche. Could, saying, he could just be. Don't forget me. Like, yeah, yeah like, don't it's, forget who you really are. There's but a lot that, of layers in that scene that, that yeah. it can be interpreted so many different ways. Like, does it even happen? Is it yeah. just, you know, that his is just a psyche. representation of his it's breaking psyche. Yeah. Projection. Yeah. Because nobody else seems to be taking any notice of it until the police show up. Yeah, that don't forget me line. So I was, I kind of was just like, oh, I kind of, yeah, uh, uh, what is that? And it's now a, it's it a sense. very desperate plea, and it yeah. depends. It uh, what it means depends on how you're interpreting that scene. And as I say, yeah. I, I haven't looked into that scene. I, I, I'm, it, I'm keeping it open because I, it can be interpreted so many yeah. different ways, and it changes the impact of that scene depending on how you view it, obviously. so I often find that by the time we get to an end of an episode, not only has my pre-imagined score gone up, but <laughs> I've realised that the film, I've realised things about, through discussing it with you, I've realised things about the film that would, didn't necessarily jump yeah. into my mind straight away. And this is, like, the more we talk, the more I realise just how fucking clever this film is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, um, it. <laughs> I don't like trust a man. I don't trust a man that doesn't curse. Snap. I yeah. I don't like the police captain. Oh, but, I hate him. But um, yeah, that might be the only yeah. line of dialogue he has that I'm like, yeah. I Something about people that don't swear. It does. Yeah. It does put it me on me, edge. It makes <laughs> me kind of feel like they're about to explode at any point. They've yeah. not got that outlet to just. Oh, fuck so I always think, what are they hiding? Yeah. What, what are they, they hiding? hiding? Oh. Swearing. Mm. It's always the what? quiet ones. Yes, exactly. How yeah. many dead bodies are under their patio? Mm. Yeah. 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 John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> no one would have known until they actually <laughs> caught him. <laughs> uh, right. I love, this is just a lovely little moment of humour. I love the way the female detective is... Oh, so I didn't know her name at the time. I love the way Sandra assumes because Pendergast disappears into the wooded area, he is going he's to having, pee. Going to take yeah. Pee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene. I'm sure the guy will let you use his bathroom. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go like, pee in the world? That's fair enough. Like in, I, I guess there's a certain perspective that women have that it's like, that is so fucking difficult for me and I'm not going to risk it. <laughs> And I, but you're so fucking lucky. You can just go anywhere you want. I've had that a million times in my life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I am totally on board with Foster's views on golf courses. I love that. I love that scene because nothing makes me happier than watching old, white, entitled people get a couple of Yeah. Yeah. And his, would... his, his parting line now you're going to die wearing that stupid little hat. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, yes, yes, fuck you. There's a that scene is there's a slight 
issue I have with that scene, which is the golf cart would be in the water 30 seconds before yeah. <laughs> before it actually enters the yeah. water. Because <laughs> it's halfway there. And then he stops to have a conversation with him. And then he turns. He turns around just as yeah. it goes into the water. Yeah. <laughs> After they set up what it signifies, then you see it going. Yeah. yeah. Aside from that, I, I love every part of that scene. Yeah. It's the bit where he says, like, you've got all these acres to play your stupid little game. Like, kids should be playing here. Families should be picnicking. Oh, I can't remember what the other the other thing he says is, but yeah, like the petting zoo. Yeah, it's some ways now I think about it, I'm probably projecting, but it's like him saying, You rich, white, entitled people, kind of, you've got everything, and yet you just want more. You're not happy with what you've got, you just want more. Yeah, it's like you've got this, this perfectly landscaped area. Of green yeah. fields and trees. You're still fucking angry. It's like you look at the city around it. You look where he's just come from. It's a yeah. shithole, and you've got kids. Yeah. There are various scenes there of kids playing on the street or what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, and you've got these rich old white guys who have got this perfect, like little little slice of the countryside, yeah. and only the rich old white guys can go there to knock their little balls. Or uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of golf or rich old white guys unless they're giving me money. Um, any rich old white guys want to sponsor our podcast? Oh yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're, we're open to sponsorship deals. Yeah. <laughs> we're not against See, um, being pro old white and title guys if you're going to give us some of money. We will be pro you. That yeah. particular old rich white guy, we will be very pro you until you stop giving us money. Then you can fuck off and die. Um, the scene where he jumps over the fence and goes rampaging up to... Yeah. I, that scene is not comfortable on anyway because they're, they're innocents. It's not even their fucking yeah. house. Um, but I also disagree with what annoys him he cuts his hand climbing over the fence on the barbed wire um if you don't want to cut your hand climbing over barbed wire don't climb over someone's fence who has barbed wire on it i'm just don't just saying yeah. <laughs> you know there's a reason that's there to stop people like you climbing over the fence because it doesn't work um but that scene really like you said earlier it brings home to to him um the other that he's not aware that he's become this villain sort of thing yeah um, and it highlights that for most of this film, Foster is not only oblivious to the the, the threat that other people perceive him as later on in the film, yeah. but for most of that film, he is oblivious to how people perceive him in general. He doesn't, yeah. you know, he when when uh, Prendergast is talking to Foster's mum, you know, we don't get the impression that he knows he intimidates his mother. He doesn't yeah. know that his mum perceives him as this. This, this figure of this figure of dread in her own house sort of thing. She's scared to go into his room. We get the impression he doesn't pick up on that. And he doesn't, he just sees himself as almost a good guy, just having a bad day throughout this yeah. entire film. And it's not until that point with the little girl and that, yeah. that he suddenly realizes, Oh, Ooh, shit. oh God, did I scare you? I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. <laughs> that scene, that scene with his mom, she mm. has one line that, hit me so hard and it's a 99.9 percent of the people watching that film they wouldn't even notice it but she says sometimes he'll sit and eat an entire meal without saying a word and i was just <laughs> like shit that's me sometimes i'll go for an entire day and not say a word like and there is there's a real truth to when you kind of 
when you when your mental health starts declining, mm. the perception you have of yourself is no way the true perception yeah. of the way other people look at you. Like, yeah. do you know how many times in my life that like I've been in a real bad state and convinced that I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. No one likes me. I'm a, and then something will happen. Like I'll be walking through the town and I'll see someone I haven't spoke to in 10 years and they'll stop with a smile on their face and they'll be like, oh, man, <laughs> how you and it, it breaks you for a second. You're like, fuck, like maybe I'm not this person that I'm convinced I am. It's yeah. my perception. It's my, I'm projecting all these things on myself because that's the way I feel about myself. But that's not the way other people feel about me. Yeah. It there's, is all internal. Some, it, and that, I can say from personal experience, is a real thing. And it is something that really happens when your mental health starts to de- decline. And yeah, it is really powerful theme of this film is that mm. like he just does he sees himself as one person but the world sees him as someone the world else sees him as someone else and then but because it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy he sees himself as like the downtrodden the person that no one cares about and so he's perceiving all these things that mm. are happening to him in a certain way but if his mental health had been okay he'd be able to just like brush it off get back yeah. up straight up and be like oh it's just i'll carry on moving yeah I'll carry on yeah really really fucking good now that scene with the innocence i mm. thought when you said i'm against what he's angry about i really thought you were gonna say he like he's angry that he seems angry that like he's worked his entire life to defend the country by building missiles but then this guy who <laughs> does boob jobs <laughs> yeah basically has this fucking mansion and oh that... i'm saving that oh okay i'm saving that. i have i have a tirade at the end of this <laughs> i have a question at the end of this that i didn't have when we first started talking um but yeah we'll get to that later um what i will say is if i had a wife like pendergast i'd just direct bill her way <laughs> i have i have two notes on pendergast's wife the first one um, is that the, the the first conversation, the phone conversation between Prendergast and his wife, the first one where she phones up and she's like, oh, um, is like a, com- a phone conversation between me and Amy. <laughs> and I'm allowed to say that because she pointed that out. <laughs> she's like, God, it's like listening to you talking to me on the phone. And I was like, I'm glad you said that because I've written a note about that. Awesome. I can use that one now. I don't have to worry about offending you. Um <laughs> She's a friend of God's wife is a is a bitch, clearly. And she's 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 she repressing is, him. She is. But she it's because. She's suffering. Yeah. We don't know it. Like what? My last note was a joke. All right. I don't I wouldn't. <laughs> she has just got severely bad mental health. Yeah, she has got mental health issues as well, that which need to be addressed. And rather her than addressing mental them, health issues are repressing her husband. Yeah, rather than addressing them, Prendergast is letting those issues be projected at him, basically. Yeah, until um, the point where he puts his foot down and he just says, no. No, this is not happening. This You're going to do this. You're going to do this. I'll be home whenever I'm home. All yeah. right. And yeah, 
And that's his breaking point where he finally puts his foot down and takes yeah. a stand and takes back control of his life yes. in a much different way than, you know, than, getting uh, going on a spree. Going on a spree. But this <laughs> Prendergast, writing, yeah. writing that, just writing Prendergast's wife is a bitch, sent me off on, on a little reverie. And it's pointless story time, kids. Yeah. <laughs> at, at a former job, uh, I worked a few years back now. I really we, thought you were about to tell a story about one of your ex-girlfriends. No, God, no, no, no. It's it's the name. It's the name that sent me off on this little reverie because it reminded me of someone. Um, we at this former job, we engaged a support company for to basically support us because we were a tiny little IT department, uh, and one of their technical chaps uh, was a fellow who was about the same age as Sergeant Sergeant Prendergast. Okay. And uh, they shared that name. His, uh, ah. his name surname was Prendergast. Um, after I, th- I think she died, she died or was otherwise incapacitated. This guy's mother. Um, oh, okay. And um, after she died or was otherwise incapacitated, he inherited a hundred thousand pounds payout in in the will, basically. Yeah. Um, and he strutted about like the cock of the walk for several months, going on about how he was a man of leisure. Now he was a made man. He was set for life. Now, bearing in mind, he was in his late 50s, mid to late 50s at this point. Yeah. Um, he genuinely thought that was it. He was on easy street for the rest of his life because he'd inherited this hundred grand. Until uh, suddenly it stopped all of this talking yeah. about him being a made man and everything. Um, and we were kind of like, why? It wasn't until we spoke to one of his colleagues and I mentioned this. Um, it turned out he'd uh, engaged a financial advisor. To basically oh, tell him God. how best to, yeah. to, you know, invest his money and live out his life as you know, the life of Riley sort of thing. Um, and then he realized how far that money would actually go. And it actually was just, yeah, at that yeah. point, it was, I think it was about like, not, it was like two years wages or something. And he was like, yeah. oh, oh, actually I'm not. Oh, shit. And he suddenly clammed up about the yeah. hundred grand and the fact that, and I just hear every time they said Prendergast, I thought of this guy and I can picture his face. He's There's actually like, like a cross between Foster and Prendergast. Look in this film was this guy with, with more of a middle-aged spread. It was just, it just kept popping into my head and I had to write it down and tell you guys about this. <laughs> There's two things I take from that. One, we went to a festival with someone almost exactly the same as that. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> And to anybody that finds themselves in a position where they're around somebody doing that, that person is insecure and damaged. And that's why they feel the need to come and tell you all about all their money, because they finally think that that makes them better than you. And you are morally obligated to, to take advantage of that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if they want to splash that cash, you let them do that. When people start doing things like that, it's because there's something wrong in their head. Yes. Their perception of themselves is damaged. And they to think be fair, that... both of these guys were pricks. So <laughs> both of them, the two people I've known do that were knobheads. So I only knew one of them and he was a knobhead, yeah. Yeah. So was this other guy. My my friend they asked was a knobhead as well. And it's funny that he was introduced to us. Well, not in, he was introduced to me anyway, because you knew him anyway. I but already knew the him, person yeah. that introduced him to us. 
We actually went to a stab. He was there that night. Yeah, he was there. That he night. was at the strip club. It was yeah. his idea to go to the strip club. He was the one buying the dances for the birthday boy that made that made, made we were in that about, fucking club for about two hours. At that point in my life, I mean, I had the flu that night as well. That didn't help. But at that point in my Roger. life, oh, yeah, <laughs> the king of germs yeah. over here. Um, at that point in my life, I hadn't had enough life experience to be able to diagnose. <laughs> what was going on yeah wish i had i wish i'd i wish i'd been able to sit there and just go huh that man is seriously damaged it wouldn't have changed my perception of him because he's still a knob but yeah it wouldn't change my perception but at least i would have known what was going she on you wouldn't know why he was being yeah. such a that particular brand of knob <laughs> right could you imagine the outrage if a stripper was brought into a police station in 2021 <laughs> Yeah, I know. As you see that, and it's like his wife says it earlier. They got, have you got like a stripper or something? Don't be yeah. ridiculous. No. And then she turns up, and you're like, wow. Yeah, no, that's that time stamps this film. Yeah. To a but certain like, era. There's not a single person in that office <laughs> at that time when a stripper comes out that is anything but jubilant that she's there. Even they the women happy, are clapping, yeah. and they're like, yes, we're going to see some tits. It's like you would. Could you just imagine real world 2021? Oh, mate, it God. would kick off big time. And that can you like, even book a stripper anymore? I mean, full disclosure here, guys, I've never life. booked a stripper <laughs> anyway. But I've, can you I've even no do intention. that? No, I don't know. I've got no intention of ever doing it. Um, but I'm not listening. No, I'm just, it, I'm just curious. It kind of raised something to me that I've. I was aware of, but I've definitely noticed in the last couple of months. I've been seem to have found myself watching a lot of like old media. I watched mm. a lot of like Only Fools and Horses at Christmas. Um, <laughs> I recently rewatched like the first two seasons of um, Twin Peaks. I didn't quite get onto the third one because Lily told me it was shit, so I didn't bother with it. Um, <laughs> I found myself watching. A lot of UK gold, to be honest. Uh, men, men behaving badly. <laughs> men behaving badly. Men behaving badly. <laughs> was that after our musical yeah. interview the other week? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I see it and I was like, oh, yeah. But none of these shows have aged well. Like, if you God watch no. these shows, not, not so much Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks was just very, very 90s. But yeah. the other two... If you watch them with 2021 eyes or 2020 eyes, yeah. they are so outrageously offensive. Like, do you know oh, how God. many how many scenes, and this boggles my mind how they managed to do it and get it on TV. In the middle of the day, in Only Fools <laughs> and Horses, there is constantly a one of them. Do you remember like when we you first joined the workforce and there were a lot of like topless women calendars that I mean I worked yeah. in a factory. I went to work with my dad. He had one in his office. Everybody, everybody had one on their desk. Yeah. But there's one of them in every, nearly every scene. <laughs> yeah. They're in the flat. It's in the background. Yeah, there on the wall. And in the middle, like two o'clock in the afternoon, pre-watershed. Yeah. There's tits on TV. It's, How? It's crazy to me because it's like you wouldn't get that these days. I mean, I you don't get those TV sorts now. of calendars anymore. It would just be like, yeah. Like but out or something. it's weird the things that, that are now acceptable to be shown in a TV show yeah. compared to that because you wouldn't get a topless calendar 
but you will get far more swearing and violence. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. just weird the way that acceptability has changed. You can't show your titties. Well, unless you're in Game of Thrones, in which case, all the titties. <laughs> you can't. You couldn't show your tits pre-Watershed. Yeah, but that's the thing. Only Fools and Horses but was then, shown post-Watershed. Yeah, but it's not now. It's not Re- now. That's that's the that's thing. The it's thing like, that gets me. It's like, oh, that... it's old. Therefore, you can show it during the day now. It's like, but oh, what? It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a British it's, classic. Do you know why? Do you know why, don't you? Because the only people watching it are fucking <laughs> old. old. Yeah, yeah. That Cody is not going to sit down and fucking go... go Google fucking Only Fools and Horses episodes to stream. He's not going to go and watch it on a streaming service. He's not going to watch UK Gold. They know the only people watching UK Gold are comfortably in their 30s at least. But what if what if I had a child and the child was in the room and I had it on and I wasn't. I hadn't remembered (laughs) that there's topless calendars in it and then suddenly my kid goes Daddy, Daddy, what's that calendar? How am I explaining it? To be fair, to be fair, well, it's 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 a naked lady on a calendar. But you know? just society as well, like them calendars were everywhere when they I first were. joined the workforce. Every male-dominated workforce had yeah. one. Yeah, More garages. Than. I remember going into garages. Yeah, you'd see them on the wall, workshops, all of that. They all had them these days. I had Can them. You even get them? <laughs> I had one. Yeah, bring them home and give them to me. Yeah, I had. I I. A couple of years in a row, I had topless calendars yeah. when it was when it was deemed that I was old enough to have those things yeah. in my sort of late teens. <laughs> yeah, nuts, isn't it? When you like for all the all the millennials, all the people that are out there screaming, the world is a shit place. We trust me, like you would I mean, not have survived in the nineties. Technically, we are millennials. Are we? Uh, From the early eighties of... up until the the. Late For all 90s. of the kids in their late teens, early twenties that are in that point in life where you think you know everything and your your opinion is fucking true fact, you would not have survived this, in the night. This this, <laughs> this perception of of millennials is something that really really bugs me because you read about you know articles by usually by boomers um, bitching about oh millennials don't like this, millennials don't like that, and they treat us as if. And I say us because, like I just said, we are millennials. I thought we were Generation Y. I thought no. millennials were people born after the millennium. Maybe no, no, no. it's not my perception of millennials. It's my understanding <laughs> of the it's your understanding of the phrase. Of what a millennial is. Right. I just assumed it was someone born after the, after the millennium. Makes them a millennial. A millennial. Um, a person reaching young adulthood in the early 21st century. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, we were nineties. By the time the millennium come, I was I was over eighteen. Yeah, exactly. Young adulthood. (laughs) You're a young adult. Formative years were the nineties, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were. But we we are millennials. Any basically anyone born from the early eighties. Oh, okay. The the early eighties up to the early nineties is is generally classed as a millennial, which basically means the youngest millennials are like in their 30s okay i'd always assumed it was like these post year 2000 exactly and that's that's the assumption but it's like hang on a minute Uh, millennials we're all in our our mid to late 30s some of them are in their early 40s now it's like um, um, what is that generation known as 
the kids that are born post millennium? Gen Y or Gen Z? I thought we were Gen Y, to be honest. No, we 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 fell in the because there's Gen X was like yeah was like Gen X was like the clerks era late late eighties when yeah I thought we were Gen Y I. I heard the term millennial and just assigned it with, oh, they must have been. Oh, yeah, we're, we're millennials. And a lot of a lot of these articles, disparaging articles about millennials, talk us talk about us as if we're still 18, 19, you know, and yeah. we don't know anything about the world. And it's like, fuck off, mate. I'm 30. I'm a millennial. I'm 38 years old. I have a career and a child. You know, I'm not a kid anymore. And that's that's the perception I'm a of millennial. And it pisses I'm me. 39. That's about it. That's about yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not ticking many boxes at the moment. Um, but you're not a kid. That's that's the oh, point. Uh, the general perception of millennials is that they're, you know, they're they're late teens, early twenties. And it's like maybe, no, ones I'm nearly fucking forty. <laughs> like me. Um it I thought it was like the kids that were at college or at uni thought they knew everything about the world oh, and how no. the world should run, who will totally change their perspective once they have bills to pay. That's who I assume millennials were. There's a lot of kids out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of kids out there who are screaming about this and that and this and that. Who will? I don't care what you say. Change their mind. Some things will change. But I remember being told when I was 17, 18. Yeah. 16, probably from about between the ages of 16 and, and 18 being told you know when i was arguing with what i now realize were, were left-wing things and i was arguing a left-wing point of view and i was being i was told ah yeah yeah you'll 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 change your mind when you get older you'll change my if anything as i've yeah. gotten older i've got more left-wing because i can see how, how broken the system is and how it's yeah. geared against me and everyone like me so I, was, I, I haven't I haven't buckled down and got and, and become a Tory voter. I, I've gone no, the other way. I think it's there's a certain smugness to people that are now I don't I know a lot about this, so I should probably keep my mouth shut. But from <laughs> my perspective, there's a certain smugness about a lot of people that are like pay more tax more socialist give all these people money rah 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 mm. will change once they start oh, getting yeah. taxed there, there are a lot of people who paying bills now when it comes to leftist i was the leftist motherfucker in the world when we first started hanging out <laughs> and i'm even more leftist now yeah only when i'm not sat in front of a mic <laughs> keep my mouth shut because the world doesn't need one more person screaming and shouting about stuff so, uh, how did we get onto this? Um, I asked if you could imagine the outrage of a stripper was born into a oh, police yes, station. Oh, right. yeah, strippers. <laughs> Suddenly we've gone to Only Fools and Horses and Men Behaving Badly in 90s TV. So, here's someone we haven't mentioned much in this film. Beth. Oh, Bill Foster's ex-wife. Yeah. Poor old Beth. I However, say poor Beth, but I don't really think poor Beth. I think Beth's a bit entitled. Uh, I think Foster was an arsehole of a husband. It, when we see the vi- when we see the the home videos, yes, but there's the scene where she's talking to the police officer and she is fucking going in on him. Is this? Is that? Is that? And he said, and he stops her and he says, "Oh, does he drink?" And she says, "No." Oh, does he do drugs? No. 
Does he hit the kid? No. Does he hit you? No. Um, why? You and me viewed that scene very differently because that triggered me. I mean, I said that there's, I there's some, explain. there are some grade A arseholes in this film. We've already said that, but I've actually got a note here that is a special shout out to the police officer who belittles Beth's concerns about her uh, yeah, violent no, ex-husband I'm, with anger issues. Yeah, I'm on I'm on that page. I think the belittling of Beth is good. I don't know. It's bad. Like, oh, fuck that. No, she she got her and her child out of a situation that she perceived as dangerous. She took him to court. The judge agreed with her and said, yeah, you need a restraining order against your husband. We need to make an example of him. Um, and then she says to the cop, yeah, I've got a restraining order. He he he's violent. I got you. Know, he never actually hit me, but I very much worried he was. And the cop's like, yeah, whatever, no, bitch. I agree with that. I agree that she did all the right things. Yeah. But. She doesn't. She doesn't give context to the situation. She calls him violent ex-husband. She says yeah. all this stuff. But it's only when he starts questioning her that you actually find out the true context of he never actually hit her. He was just an angry motherfucker with mental <laughs> health issues. Yeah. And there's a lot, of, a lot of bad shit happens in this world because people view people with mental health issues in a certain way. But she shouldn't need to justify it. She felt she, she to, didn't feel safe. But she does try. She over justifies it. That's my point. Is she calls him all these things that he's not because she thinks that he has the propensity to be there. He, yeah, he has the potential to do. It's it. like seeing a Muslim That's in the enough. street and calling them a terrorist because they're a fucking Muslim. No, it's not. No, it it's not. That is that, a false that equivalency. That never fucking blown up a building. Yeah, but Bill has never hit her. But then exactly. uh, he has he has shot a man, two yeah. men. Yeah, but that was later on. That was once he once he started breaking when so, she did yeah, all his but stuff. He had that within him all along. She yeah. saw that and was like, "He is dangerous. It's I don't want to be around him." And it's the way she paints him. What as she should have done is said, the use of the words "my violent ex-husband" when he was never violent. No, what she should have done. She should have said, "My crazy ex-husband." No, because crazy is crazy uh, is a perfect summation of what he is in this film. He's, he's a crazy motherfucker. He's ill. At the point yeah, that she gets <laughs> the restraining order, he's ill. Yes, yeah. goes on to become violent and a problem. But at the point, but she doesn't know any of that when no, she doesn't know any she, of what happened suspects, that day. She suspects it. She suspects yeah. that he's violent and he's making these creepy phone calls to her and she is scared for the safety of her and her child. And that copper should have taken those concerns seriously. The fact that he didn't is oh, negligence no. on his part. I I agree. He was negligent because he didn't take her seriously. Yeah. And I agree that the police force in general were negligent. Were negligent, yeah. Sandra says later on, yeah, they're refusing to send a cop car out for the third time because of a hysterical woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's my that's my grief. My, with that. my issue, I guess my issue with it all is she paints a, a picture of him as someone that he mm. hasn't yet become. But the way she paints yeah. that picture is that he is already that person. Unbeknownst to her, he is already that person. He's already crossed that line. She knew he would cross that line. He hadn't, but she knew he would, which was the basis no, of her know. concern. 
Well, she thought he would. Yes. Either way, so, she, suspected, therefore, she suspected he would. Therefore, in the way that she paints the picture... This goes on for some time. Maybe it triggered me in as much as there have been many times in my life people have looked at me and assumed something yeah. that wasn't true. Yeah, now, well, that's fair enough. But with given context, given time to get to know me, like, do you know how many people would have said to me, oh, when I first met you, I thought you were this. But yeah. now I know you're not. Yeah. And it's that whole... It's the way she sells it to the police officer. I understand what you're saying. She has to sell it in a certain way to get him to react. Now, that's his. That's the negligence of the police. She should never have to do that. But it's the way that she paints the picture of him as someone that he's only just becoming. Yeah, but she that, paints that picture that triggers me. She's she's not judging a book by its cover. She lived with him. She was married to him for years, and she has this suspicion from what she knows. So she has got to know him to start off with. She, she did what triggered you. She judged the book by its cover and decided he was husband material. He was father material. Then she actually got to know him. Well, and has realized he probably was, he probably was, he wasn't. That's that's made clear. No, because one of the narratives of this film is the declining of mental health. Who's to say, when they got married, maybe that home video we see is the first sign of him starting to break. It's the first sign. Even of... if it is just the first sign, that is the first sign she picked up on that. Oh, she no. Picked I, up on that. I just, I don't like. It's the, if anyone in that scene should be, should be oh, called up for, for judging, yeah, it's the cop because he I judges agree. a book. He look, walks up and says, oh, she's just a typical historical woman. And that's. If he hadn't done that, well, I, the ending of this film would have been much better and nobody would have died. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like. Everybody has the propensity for good. Mm. Everybody's born with a propensity for good. Everyone is born for the propensity of evil. We all have a certain amount of each in us, every single human being, right? Yeah. Whether it's. What, what do I call it? Whether it's. Um, environment, environmental, yeah, or what's n- the other nurture one? versus nature, yeah, whichever yeah. way at some point life will give you a set of hurdles to, to mm. overcome. Some people don't have the skills to jump them hurdles because they haven't been taught them, because they just they need some, they need someone to show them how to do it, right? Yeah, some people through no fault of their own, will get knocked down so many times that they become someone. They're not. Mm. But it, no, I'm not going to... I'm, no, I'm not going to... <laughs> We're gonna, talking ourselves around in circles here. No, no, no. Have you ever been in a relationship where, for the most part, the other person's great, but by the time it ends, you don't recognise that person anymore because of because of the declining nature of the relationship has changed that person's perception of you. Oh, fuck it. We'll cut this bit out. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> but surely you have. You have, because you've known me. I was, when we first met, I was a different person to the person 
I became 10 years after we met. Yeah, but so was I. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I deteriorated. My mental health deteriorated, and I just deteriorated in such a bad way that I was almost unrecognizable to the person. I'm getting back to being more like the original person yeah. I was. But at one point, I was not the person that you became friends with. No. No, but if at the first sign of me becoming that person, you had labelled me as that person before I'd actually become that person, would you not be wrong? No, because you then went on... Because if if I had if I'd labelled you, if I'd labelled you as that person and you then didn't become that person, then it would have been wrong. But if I labelled you as that person and you then become that person, that label is entirely fitting. It's like, if I say... That person over there is a criminal. And then the following day, they go out and rob a bank. My label was correct. Yeah. If I label that person a criminal and they never become a criminal, then the label's incorrect. I mean, it's different if I label it and by labeling them that, I then force them down a certain path. So if I'm a government minister and I say all black people are criminals, that's different because that's coming down and that is immediately shaping it. If I just sit there in my own head and say that's that person's a criminal... That's generalization. Yeah. But if I just say it in my own head and I assign them that label, I've assigned, I've, I've seen people, I've met people and I've gone, that person's a cunt. Oh, yeah. I've said to someone, that person is a cunt. And then it turns out six months down the line, it comes out and they are, they're a complete cunt. And I'm like, told you. There'll be other people where I've gone, that person's a cunt. And they're not. You know, it turns out it was just the first impression or the situation or whatever. And it turns out, actually, yeah. no, I was wrong about them. But um, it doesn't mean that, that you know, my, the labelling someone who is a cunt as a cunt, <laughs> just on a, based on the first impression, does not make that wrong. If you give me the first impression that you're a cunt, I'm going to label you a cunt. I'm then going to give you the opportunity to redeem yourself and prove to me that you're not. But, you know, it doesn't mean that, labeling that person as such is 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 wrong necessarily because it doesn't me labeling you that doesn't have any impact on that doesn't doesn't change the way you're going to behave if the first time i meet you you slap your dick in my face i'm gonna say that person's a cunt you're gonna say oh give me your number (laughs) i'm gonna say oh you should come on my chatterbait sometime yeah Um, I'll make double money if you're just dick slapping me around the face or every night. Um, I, I think no, I guess, it, I, I guess, I guess it's the perception right. of the scene and, and where you're coming. It's your own personal experiences. Again, projecting on that scene because my personal experiences um, are focused on the fact that that figure of authority didn't take her concerns seriously and there was a negative impact because of that. Yours is that she was portraying someone in the way that they, they, hadn't they, had, they hadn't yet become, at least as far as she was aware. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... And in that moment in time, she's had a few creepy phone calls. She knows he's on the way. But she, even by the end, I don't think she actually knows no. what he did that day. The, co- the cops should have taken it seriously, and they should have either tracked him down or left someone watching the house. Because it's just, she's like, it, he's already told me he's going to break the law by coming here. So yeah. you need to stop him doing that. <laughs> no, but you, they didn't. I guess, I guess it is. Everything's true. Depending on your perception. From a certain it point just, of view. Yeah, that's the one. It <laughs> just. 
it really fucks me off when people kind of oh you're this you're that mm. i think you when you haven't ever done those things like yeah. i'm not saying i guess what annoyed me was that she whilst she may have an inkling that he might be all of these things he's never actually physically done any of these yeah. Yeah. done any of these things to prove her right but that doesn't stop her from painting the picture mm. to the police officer i never i was probably so angry at the, <laughs> at the fact that she portrayed him in a as something that he hadn't yet become that i didn't actually stop to think that maybe she was doing it so the police like she was would actually take of, her concerns seriously yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah all right Pentagast. Oh, all of his so, sorry i forgot we were talking about yeah we're, we're talking about this film <laughs> um for all of his faults in this film is actually cool as fuck yes. when they're on when they're on the pit i mean all the way through it uh we see it with with uh, foster's mum they go in there and sandra's all like very official yeah. police when he asks his questions blah 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 Fernandez can see that's not working yeah so instead he engages her in conversation about those creepy little glass figurines there's he's a far more He's far more humanistic. He yes. has a far more humanistic viewpoint on the world yeah. than, than William does. He, William he recognizes he recognizes you've got to engage with people in order to, to get answers. To, to get answers, to get what you need. You have you need to engage to with personable. people. You have to play the game. You can't just turn up, show your badge, and expect people to Yeah, because with a lot of people, and he some people that work. Mm. Other people is he recognizes as soon as they walk into the house, that's not gonna work. Because yeah. she's immediately on the defensive and wants him to leave. But he engages her, he breaks down her defences, and he finds out the information he needs to go and basically uh, protect Beth and Adele. Sorry, he has a line of dialogue as well that really separates him, in my eyes, from William. Mm. It's the bit where they finish lunch and they're going outside. And right before Sandra leaves, he says, there's one more thing about my wife that I haven't told you. Yeah. I love her. Now, at no point on his fucking mission does William really show any love. No, no affection or love for his, for his wife, wife or his like. He shows love for his kid, but never shows any affection or love for his wife. No, at all. with and regards that, to his wife, it's always he always behaves behaves as if it's something that belongs to him that's been yeah. taken away from him, and it's like she doesn't belong to you. Even when you're married, you don't belong to each other. No. And and that's yeah, that's there's a that's one of the big divides between the, the between yeah. like you said Prendergast and, and Foster, um, two, and his line when he's on when he's on two the side of the same coin right, pretty much yeah. They just both deal with their issues and in very different ways because of the way because of the way they they are as people they deal yeah. with very similar issues in very different ways. Um, Prendergast's line when they're up on the pier, yeah, and he's talking to. Uh, Foster is talking to Beth, and then out of nowhere, yeah. Prendergast just goes, "Oh, you ain't kidding!" And it, they whip round, yeah. and there he is, just leaning on, leaning nonchalantly, eating some popcorn, just cool as fuck. Yeah. It's like, oh, mate, that is awesome. The way and he it, plays that scene is perfect in the fact that he's dealt with very similar issues to William. Mm. Yet he's cool, calm, collected, reasonable. In yeah. every single way that William is not. William is just 
the complete antithesis of that. Yeah. I love it's that. Just, right, right up to the end, he he keeps his head and he's trying to. He removes uh, Foster's gun from the situation. Yeah. Does it? I was like, right, okay. Let's just go and meet some other officers. And he's yeah. trying to talk the situation out. He doesn't want. Oh, he doesn't want Foster. to escalate to violence. He no. wants to get him the help he needs. He wants to <laughs> get him out of this dangerous situation to somewhere he's not going to hurt anyone and no one can hurt him. That sort of. And it's yeah, he's a really, he's a really powerful character in this film, which is is odd because it, it's two sides of his personality yeah. as well. Because when his wife's on the phone, he's being submissive. he's being submissive, and then when he's actually out doing his job, when he actually gets back to doing his job properly, he's a very powerful character and he's quite forceful in his own um, very is clever it? way. Yeah. Now, this leads me on to. Um, some of the most heartbreaking scenes in this in this film. I mean, for me, one of the heartbreaking ones is when old Nazi Nick smashes the oh the snow globe. Uh, the snow globe, yeah. and that that's a snap, that's a break for William yeah, that's because the, that, that that does it, it pushes like him over the edge. Symbol of innocence and love, yeah. and it gets smashed, and he's just he's like, like oh. I bought that for my daughter, and you yeah. have just destroyed it, and that that pushes him over the edge. When Foster turns around. Uh, when he's at, uh, obviously at gunpoint by Prendergast, and yeah. he says, "Am I the bad guy?" Yes, my and favorite it's like, line in the whole film. At this point, Foster realizes that somewhere along his journey, he's become the villain of the piece in his head yeah. all the way through. He's been the, the he's down been the hero, the hero, the downtrodden yeah, hero. He's been fighting against the injustices of the world and 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 these these other these villains that keep coming in and getting in his way, and he hasn't realized that and it's absolutely heartbreaking to see him yeah. realize oh god i'm the bad guy here yeah. i'm not i'm not the hero of this piece and then like you said earlier he says how did that happen i did everything they told me to yeah and this is the bit this is one of the bits that i was worried about on on the old socials last night that may upset some people because it's that that right there is a sentiment that a lot of people these days and going back even to, to to you know to us our generation um we can really empathize with that and i think the reason it's made this film so popular is because a lot of people empathize with this theme you know they went to college they got an education they went to university they, they stuck it out of school they believed when they were told um that at the end of it there would be this satisfying economically viable career waiting for them they would have this life they were promised then you got to the end of it and you found themselves without the job without the future they were promised trapped in an increasingly hostile broken world that wasn't what they were told it was and they you find themselves with with nothing but an education that disqualified you for the majority of jobs available no place in a world that didn't want them that demeaned them and sidelined them and left them behind it was like there's that, a whole generation. That to me, is the definition of every troll on social media. <laughs> People yeah. that that finally hit breaking point realize that, like, the dream they were, the dream they were sold was never going to mm. come true. But here's an avenue to go and to go and tear down people that yeah more talent well. People that were like were had a moment of luck and managed 
managed to get to a better better place in life, get out, get yeah. themselves out of out of the gutter, out of the machine. And so that's why to me, that's why every single fucking person that sees a celebrity doing something good and has to hate on it. Has to hate on them. They're, they're, yeah. And it's 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 it touched really touched a nerve with me because I see it. I see it in people I know. Yeah. And I saw it myself. I became disillusioned. I came out at the end of this this little pipeline where everyone, everyone that I trusted, the government, my teachers, my parents, the, the, the institutions that surrounded me throughout my childhood and into young adulthood, they told me, do this. You, you go to school, you study at school, you get your good grades, you go to college, you go from college into university, you come out at the end. And this is the, the world is your oyster. I came out of it at the end and realized I'd wasted years of my yes. life yeah. following following this route they'd laid out for me and there was nothing at the end and in fact and then all those people that had told me do this do this do this were suddenly like well if it hasn't worked out it must be something you did wrong and yeah. it's like the only thing i did wrong was i believed you and now suddenly i'm i'm the villain in my own piece it's like because everyone's telling me that if i haven't got this happy life and i'm not satisfied then i'm doing something wrong and it's yeah I I am Williams' unknown rage. You know, <laughs> I, I, I am Foster's like, confusion. Now, do you feel like that's because that generation that were selling us the dream, mm. that dream had worked in their days? It wasn't yeah. that they were selling us a false a falsity. It was that the dream they were selling us was just antiquated. It wasn't there anymore. Yeah, they were selling us something that didn't exist anymore because that's the way it had been for them. And they for can them, only and teach through their experiences. Yeah, like there's they, a, they, there's... Sorry, I think what what made me what makes me the most angry about it is, and I am fully aware that I am projecting here. Oh, absolutely. What makes yeah. me most angry about it is the fact that you know we got to the end of it, realized they were selling us something that didn't exist anymore. And rather than accepting that and, you know, accepting that the world has changed, they continue to push that narrative and blame us that it did because it didn't exist anymore. It's like, well, the reason it doesn't exist anymore is because it worked for you guys and you pulled the ladder up behind you. You know, it's yeah, like plus more people. There's more people. The world isn't the same world. It was Place. for it was. numerous, no, no. numerous regions that we've touched on throughout the history of this podcast yeah it's not the same place so you can't tell people to follow the same guidelines you did and they'll end up in the same place you are because it's not like that anymore you can't you can't it's you can't learn to use windows 98 and then go out and start a job where you're using windows 10 no because they don't work you can't learn to drive an automatic and then go and take a job where you drive a manual, a manual because car. it doesn't yeah. work yeah you know, it's and it's. I feel like people did the best for us mm. with the experience and the knowledge that they had. So it's not selling us that dream is not their fault. But the thing that angers me is I knew, I knew when I was at school, I knew <laughs> from a very early age that was not my dream. Yeah, I didn't have the power or I didn't have the power or the maturity or 
the ability to say, that's not my dream. Yeah, that's my that's dream. Over here, somewhere else, left field. And I need to invest time in chasing that dream rather than trying to be this person that mm. you think I should be. I said it a few weeks ago on this pod that I spent a lot of my life trying to make the people I loved and I cared about happy by being the person I thought they would want. Yeah, yeah. And it only made me miserable to the point that I lost, you know, if they're not related to me, I lost all (laughs) them people because I was trying so hard to be what they wanted me to be. Yeah. That I wasn't fit their mold being the best version of me. And like it only my age, I shouldn't be having these revelations. I should have had them 15 years ago, but in one particular case there was someone that fell in love with me when I was probably the closest I've ever been in my entire life to being the best version of me Mm. and by no fault of theirs all fault of my own over time I tried to become someone that I thought would make them happy yeah make them proud and make them love me the same way that I love them. And that just made me miserable. And it made me a shell of the person that they originally fell in love with. Yeah. And that's why I, that's why this year is about me becoming <laughs> the best version of me. It's about yeah. me not trying to please other people. I said to you the other day, you were saying to me, like, this new project we've got, you're obsessed with it or something along them lines. And I said to you, well, <laughs> I could be doing what I keep hearing, which is you've got time, do a course, get a qualification that will get you a good job. But I could find a course that I'm kind of interested in that will will put me in a place where I'm slightly less miserable than I was doing whatever job came along. But I'll never truly be satisfied. Mm. But I have a chance. I have somebody that's willing to help me build something. I have a small group of friends known as the Space Monkeys that will help support this. They have had my back from the minute we started this, and I truly believe we'll continue to have our back as we progress and we get go further into doing these things. And if I don't focus and try to kind of do this thing that's going to truly allow me to be the best version of me Mm. i'm never going to be happy so i need to kind of forget all of the good advice that people are giving me which is good advice from their perspective yeah and take my own route and do my own thing and even if that upsets or frustrates people i can't let that upset or that frustration you've got to do what's right stop me in my tracks and make me go, oh, no, I'm going to go do that because I, yeah. I want them to be proud of me. I need to just be like, there was a time in my life where I wanted to do music, foolishly. And <laughs> I threw myself into that. And that was when I was the best version of me, mm. when I had passion and I was doing something that I truly, truly loved. And 
that's the path I've got to take now, not yeah. the path that other people were telling me I should do. And that is not a bad reflection on other people. Other people were just trying to help me mm. become this version of me. <clears throat> that from their perspective, because they're not the same kind of person I am, which mm. is the right way to go. I need to really kind of just dig my feet in and finally my life just be like, no, I know what I want. Yeah. You can't, you can't plod away following someone else's guidelines. And then, you know, 30 years down the line, you're like, I'm miserable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've ticked all the boxes and I'm thoroughly miserable because those boxes weren't for me. They were for somebody else. This is not. Some of them boxes were for me. And, I've some of the boxes that have been unticked and <laughs> I still to this day struggling to deal with the unticking of some of them boxes. <laughs> it was all the I've, do you know remember I said earlier there's a certain point in my life where everything made me miserable except one thing. Yeah. Now I need to address all the things that made me miserable <laughs> so I don't lose the things that made me happy again. Just in case you, uh, you've you forgotten, ladies and gentlemen, this is a two-bit podcast where we talk about films and shit that we've watched. Um, I realise over the last 20 minutes, shit, shit got deep. Shit got deep. I mean, it may not be 20 minutes by the time I finished editing out all the arguing and, and yeah. the wiffle waffle. No, but, um... you don't, need, well, don't, don't argue out the, the... Don't edit out the arguing. The arguing is, is valid. Just edit out the bit where... I will... I, I will... I would judiciously edit the argument so that we 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 miss out the bits where we just keep repeating the same points at each other in progressively louder voices. Do you know (laughs) how many people that know us have grew up around us would be like, "Ah, this is what I expected." Yeah, (laughs) this is what I witnessed. The two people that know us, same point. (laughs) Yeah, the the people that know us will really enjoy probably the last twenty-five minutes because that's what we do. That's what we used to do when we got drunk in person. At the but, same but, point of view, but find a way to argue it with well, each other. Yeah, <laughs> to argue with each other for like stupid amounts of time. Right, is a, light, some... a light-hearted note. Go on then. Well, it's not really light-hearted, but it's a note. And it's my last note. How much therapy is poor Adele going to need when she grows up? Oh, shit, man. I mean, can you imagine it? Like when she, when years from now, when she looks back and she's like, wait a minute, mum. So you let all my friends come around. Yeah. my birthday party you let me celebrate my birthday like less than an hour after my dad had been shot you <laughs> after yeah. he possibly shot us and then got shot and died off the edge of the pier and you let me have my cake and ice cream and celebrate with my friends what the fuck is wrong with you mother <laughs> i was watching that scene at the end when he says tell her tomorrow and in my head i'm screaming at the screen tell her he died tomorrow don't tell her that he died on her birthday. She yeah. will never, yeah. ever appreciate her birthday ever again. Tell her he died the day after. That, that is, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about the birthday party until they, yeah. they show that scene where all the kids show up and just yeah, like, the present. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'd have done the same thing, to be fair. And yeah, I'd have told her that it all happened the day after. I would have left I it. I probably would have left it a week and said, right. Your dad died today. Yes. A week yeah. later to get some separation between birthday. Separation. And... Yeah. To separate the two things yeah, in her yeah. head. Because at that age, she would conflate the two. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, <laughs> so much therapy. Some some <laughs> therapist is just sitting there when yeah, they hear about yeah. this, just rubbing their hands. <laughs> I'm putting it in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Foster's last actions, heartbreaking as they are, when he uh, when he realizes that he doesn't come out of this as the good guy. The only way yeah. out of this for him is to die or to go you know, behind bars. Yeah. Um, suicide by cop. By cop. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as he did that, I, I flashed back to our conversation a few yeah, weeks ago on that. Like, yeah, I, as soon as he said, um, let's draw for it. You're the sheriff. I'm the villain. I was like, yeah, oh, we all know where yeah. this is going. He's, now. he's made his yeah. decision. He knows he's he, he, this, that, that moment where it all comes crashing in and he realizes, yeah, oh, God, I'm the villain. Here. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want his little girl to, to he doesn't want to watch her growing up from behind bars. He doesn't want that doesn't yeah. want to put that on her and i think i mean i am you know i'm reading between the lines here i don't think he wants to put that on beth either he no. suddenly realized what he's done the mistakes he's made and he's like yeah no there's no way i can i'm not doing this he and- finally realizes he finally sees himself through the eyes of everybody else and realizes yeah. the monster that he has slowly yes. become yes. over time yeah yeah he yeah. Sees, sees that he's become that monster it's heartbreaking because I've had that moment. Yeah. Fortunately, you weren't at gunpoint um, no. on the end of a pier. No. I say fortunately, you know, maybe maybe, well if, if you, maybe if you had been, well then it would have been. I'd have been doing this podcast with Lou. I mean, yeah. uh, who knows? <laughs> I might as well have been. To be fair, like I did lose my life prior to having that realization. Yeah. Am I gonna have to? Uh, do I need to edit in some more violins here? I'm um, not. I'm not playing that moment for a pity i'm just showing how self-aware i am uh, okay i'll let you off then i did something really stupid yesterday um this I... has nothing to do with this episode oh. uh, or the film or anything it's just uh, <laughs> i was just checking my my emails um whilst we was we were taking that comfort break yeah. um and i ordered something from uh japan I found a cool new website and I was like, oh, oh, I assume it's a cool new website. I'm not going to shout it out yet because I haven't received the, the merchandise. But I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so I did this thing and it's coming all the way from Japan. And it said, you know, take it'll delivery between two to six weeks. I was like, oh, awesome. Great. Ten minutes later, there's a knock at the door. I go downstairs. I open the door. It's a postman there with a parcel from Japan. And I'm like, what the holy fuck? hell. Yeah, that was quick. How did that even, how is that even possible? How what? did they bend space and time to bend get it to me this quick? Space and time, it's like, it's only been 10 minutes. That It would have taken them longer to pick it, wrap it, and put the labels on than that. And now I remembered. The Japanese have, like, uh, <laughs> in conjunction with Trump. How? I'm just thinking, like, man, did, what? Do they really have, like, portals or some shit? Yeah. And then, uh, then I realised um, that <laughs> this was another parcel. Oh. That I had ordered just after Christmas, which oh, is, really? but it's yeah. it's a it's a Gundam model kit that I'd yeah. ordered, and this is another one that I'd ordered <laughs> like five weeks ago. <laughs> I but, for, for like thirty seconds there, I was genuinely convinced that this website had the ability to teleport parcels across <laughs> the planet. <laughs> you thought that they were working in cahoots with Trump and his time machine? <laughs> it just blew my mind. <laughs> I had a very similar thing yesterday when <laughs> oh good <laughs> I was I was like midway through my meditation and I could I kind of heard my mum put something down next to me 
So when I finished, I opened my eyes and there was this package. And I was just like, I haven't ordered anything for ages. Everything I've ordered, I've got. What the what the fuck is this? Open it up. T-shirt I ordered like beginning of December. I, was just <laughs> like, I have no idea. How did it take so long to get it from California? <laughs> but I didn't get charged any, I didn't get charged any like custom fees or anything. Normally I'm like, really surprised by that actually. Five out of ten times I order stuff from I only ever overseas, I only ever really order from America. Anything else I just mm. buy in England. Five out well, probably seven out of ten times, it'll turn up and there'll be a fee to pay on it. Yeah. An extra customs fee. But I managed somehow to get through it, even with the change. Maybe because I ordered it way before we. Yeah, it probably exchanged, precedes yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think I, thought, I got lucky I with. Oh, that was your story. Yeah. I ordered it, and then I realised I was going to have to pay just as much in extra taxes. I, I, I haven't bought anything. That I mean, that was ordered. I think that was just before. Yeah. First of January, so it would have been late December. I ordered that. Um, I've only had two bits coming from overseas since then, and that's um, obviously that parcel that came from Japan, and my new lightsaber blade that came from France. Yeah. But I think because both of those were already in the system before these new charges hit, I've had numerous discussions with people online about this, and some people are like, "It's going to cost you a lot more." Others are like, "No, it's actually going to cost you slightly less." Yeah, I saw you. If it's under a hundred, if it's under like a certain threshold, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna gradually order you larger bits well i mean yeah. this will be interesting because this is coming from japan so um this would be eligible for addition for the standard fees anyway there shouldn't be any change there really for that um, i read i read the comments on you posted something and you and this girl i don't know who she was but you were going backwards and forwards about yeah the rules. and then i kind of i thought oh the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of the two yes. of them but then i put the news on a few days later and this woman was saying her son ordered these hugely discounted trainers for like £79. Yeah. But by the time they got them, it cost her something like 180 quid with all yeah. the extra tax and everything else. But the gist I got from it all was there's a certain cap. If you spend under yeah, £100 100, or something. 125 or 135 shouldn't If it's under that, you shouldn't incur any other costs. But, but these trainers were like seventy-nine pounds, and this woman. Got yeah, it depends rinsed. on how they work out the costs. Because uh, if it's if they decide that actually no, this is worth more than that, regardless of what you paid for it. Yeah, they shouldn't be doing it. Highly discounted. It, they should have been yeah. three hundred pound trainers. Yeah, and that's so why depends. they ordered them from Europe because they were so cheap. Yeah, and they don't like that, so they smack you with charges because they're like, no, buy these trainers here. It's like, yeah, but if I buy them here, they're three hundred quid. If I buy them there, they're eighty quid. It's like, yeah, but no, buy them here. Yeah, so yeah. It's it, uh, it remains to be seen how it's all going to work out. I know there are some companies who are just now not shipping to the UK because oh, it's not just, worth the hassle. Some of them announced it uh, like November, December last year. You know, they're like, yeah, we've been made aware of new guidelines. It's either going to take us hours more to deal with these packages or it's going to cost us more. Either way, there's a lot of messing about and we're just not going to bother with it. So yeah. we're not processing orders. The, 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 the highest profile one that I've seen is William Shatner. William what? Shatner has his own online Captain store. Captain Kirk himself. Captain Kirk himself will no longer ship to the UK because he was like, he's like, guys, it's going to cost extra. It's going to take more time. He's like, it's just much easier if I just don't bother. <laughs> it's like, it's more hassle than it's worth for me to sell to the UK. Sorry, guys. And it's like, wow. Captain I mean, fucking, William fucking Shatner. Captain James T. Kirk has decided it's, just... it's more hassle than it's worth to sell to us in the UK. 
alienated a huge <laughs> a huge section of his fan base it's by being like, like oh, it's just too much hassle mate. it's too much hassle i mean i i don't know i don't i don't ship things internationally very i don't ship things very often anyway um but uh yeah i don't ship things international so i don't know how much more hassle it really is yeah. but i shall find out I'll, I'll update you guys when i start ordering things from overseas again i'll see how this this parcel from japan arrives you, if it arrives you you said a phrase just now which i think encapsulates the past year and the foreseeable future in globally <laughs> it remains to be seen remains to be seen yes there are so I'm, I'm many optimistic, things but it yeah. does remain to be seen there are just so many things in life right now where you're like i suppose we've just gotta wait to see how it plays out really yeah i'm, I'm yeah. waiting for the uh, the uk's stores of uh Milky Way Magic Stars to run out, and then I'm going to fucking riot. <laughs> Kick off, yeah. Yeah, we were warned last year that because they are produced and packaged in the EU, yeah. we may have trouble getting them post Brexit. And if that happens, motherfuckers, I will burn this country down or you just overseas. <laughs> I, I, you're far more kind of finger on the pulse of what's going on in the world than I am, so I shouldn't start my sentence with "Have you seen?" But <laughs> It's so petty and childlike. The way the EU are just like, yeah, we want some of this vaccine that you've got. We're going to kick off because uh, you're getting the vaccine and you've got like a nice healthy supply of the well, a healthier supply of the <laughs> vaccine than we have. Yeah. Oh, we're going to kind of, we're going to try legally to stop you from having it. It's like, oh, sake. <laughs> just do one. <laughs> to be fair, if I was running a country or a block of countries, and someone outside that block of countries was getting vaccine that I wanted for my citizens, I'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> See, in almost every other case, I would. Yeah. But when it comes yeah, to vaccine, if it's, if it's life and you, death, who I don't know, not getting the vaccine and possibly dying, or and these people I do know, not getting the vaccine and possibly dying. Uh, I can't really blame them, but it's not a good thing to do, but I no. can't necessarily blame them for doing it. If it came to, if it came to the choice of you can vaccinate your family or you won't get your vaccine for six months and someone you don't know will get it. It's the, I'd have to think long and hard about how I would come down on that decision. It's the, it's just, no, wait, I thought about our... it. Vaccine, vaccinate me. Yeah. <laughs> It's vaccinate me a, don't worry about the rest of them just another another kind of moment in time where the world is just so fractured and divided yeah. it's you another, against us another fracture and it's, it's you and us again and the you and us mentality that i see everywhere in Surely life by now shouldn't we be forming like the 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 United government. Yeah. So we should be well no, because they had um World War Three, which devastated the countries, and then they realized, oh shit, if we keep doing this, we're gonna go extinct. Then they all came together and joined the Federation. We've but, got a global pandemic devastating every single fucking country on the on No, the that's just because someone licked a fucking alien. You know, it's not it's all because of the five G or something. We've had this conversation. You know <laughs> my point of view. This should be yes. something big enough to bring us together, but it's not. It's just a it, divide it's in the server. It's just, it gives us more things to divide about. Anyway, now. Anyway, sorry, the film. I Yeah, this is my, my, my last note. Well, it's my last note and it's sub notes. 
They're all relatively short. So now, despite what I'm about to say, please do not report me or put me on yet another watch list. Okay. Seriously, I'm getting fed up with government agents popping around yeah. just to keep an eye on me. The helicopter's buzzing around, keeping me awake. You know, if not for me, think of my child. He's only six. He thinks he, he thinks these helicopters are out to get him because, you know, he plays too much Roblox. Because um, daddy tells him. They're here for you. daddy tells him. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't concentrate in class, they're going to come and get you. Just because you're paranoid won't. doesn't mean they're not out to get you, son. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine years from now, I'm, I'm dead and gone. Cody's listening back to this, taking notes. Yeah. My dad was a cunt. <laughs> um, Cody, sorry. I am. Apparently. Um, <laughs> I listen to all the podcasts. These are this is my essay on all the things. This my is my essay on why I'm fucked up. Yeah. Um, now, I am on side for many of the things Foster rails against. Many of his arguments, not, though not necessarily the way he deals with them. Though we have, uh, we did say earlier on, I am well on board with his method of shopping. If I think it's too expensive, I smash it with a bat. Um, uh, I'm well on board with his with the way he deals with Nazis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, corner shops are overpriced. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I went. I had to go down to one the the other day, and I was. I needed to grab a drink, and I was like, okay, well, the energy drinks, they were reasonably priced, probably because the price was already on the side of the can. So yeah. you know, that's that's its its retail price. And I was like, oh, I'll just grab something. What was it? Fucking oh, like a loaf of bread or something. I was like, I'll grab some bread, Danny, because I know we're running low, and that'll be great for for lunch. And a loaf of bread that would cost me £1.18 in Tesco was like three and a half quid. And I was like, what? I am not paying that. I was like, fuck you guys. And I got so annoyed. I went and put the energy drinks back, got in my car and drove to Tesco. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, putting my money where my mouth is. I was like, fuck it, I'm going off to Tesco. They're Uh, preying on people that don't drive or don't have the ability to go to Tesco. The people who will just walk down there and, and will pay stupid money for these bits. And, and well, the convenience of it all. Yeah. Exactly. And usually I will just go, I know it's going to cost me extra, but it is the convenience of it. I, it takes me like 30 seconds to get there. I can get it and I can be home in less than five minutes I rather than driving. I have to pay for parking. Park I have to pay for and, and, yeah. Exactly. Um, but no, they are overpriced. Um, I, I, not not to the point where I would smash up their shop <laughs> <the> back, but... <laughs> See, this is what I mean. I am on. To, I agree with with many of his complaints, just not the way he deals with them. You agree um, with William, but you've got a far more Pendergast approach. Yes, I am far. I, I, well, actually, I'm just lazy, to be honest. Let's face it. Bats, baseball bats are heavy. And I, swinging uh, a baseball bat. Oh, uh, for fuck's sake! Fuck that's too much like exercise. I have to I swing a be massive in. dick. I don't need to swing a bat as well. I want to be a massive dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Amy says. Damn it. <laughs> Why don't you people let me have my fantasies of having a huge penis? Because Damn when it. you take the sleeve off, it's just average. <laughs> I don't take the sleeve off. If I take <laughs> the sleeve off, she puts the cage back on. <laughs> oh, that hurt. But it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, if someone has trespassed without realising and they're being reasonable about it, just let them pass. I'm fairly certain that shit is actually in the Bible. Yeah. Um, also, don't join the gang, kids. It's not going to end well. I've seen enough programs. I've seen enough of those uh, Stacey Dooley documentaries to know that being in a gang isn't going to end well for you. Unless that gang is called the Space Monkeys. And, and in which case? Join it. 
Yeah. Don't join if you have a latex allergy because we haven't yet managed to source the uniform in anything other than pink latex. So, yeah, um, yeah you will get a rash. But then, to be honest, you'll probably get a rash an anyway. There is an alternative uniform of, um, I don't know, <laughs> leather. <laughs> leather. Le oh, God, Jesus. Sweaty. Um, oh, well, what can, what can I do? Some fucking there. Well, Zentai suits will replace the, the the latex with um with lycra. It's far more right. breathable. It's yeah, far more practical. It. Yeah, and they won't make that annoying squeaky noise when they're invading coffee shops. But you have to give us a doctor's note. Yeah, we need a, we need a signed doctor's note because you know we, we we order these things in bulk. Seriously, yeah. I've got a shipping container in my garden full of these fuckers, all in latex. We've just placed the order for the latex face face mask to go over the top of the gimp mask as well for double protection. So. Yeah. Shout out to Wish.com for facilitating our huge <laughs> orders. <laughs> Again, we're open to sponsorship. AliExpress, yeah. Wish, guys, hit us up. Um, the food in fast food places, you, you said this earlier, the food in fast food places never looks like it does in the adverts. What the fuck is up no. with that, guys? The only, about the only people that represent their food in an almost legit way a pizza heart of dominoes because you Actually, can't yes. really go wrong with a pizza no. but aside from that yeah it's like, like it's like when you buy a cookbook and you see this <laughs> beautifully like cultivated picture of a meal and then you cook it yourself and you're like tastes good doesn't look anywhere fucking my, good as that my favorite for that my favorite um misrepresentation is subway <clears throat> now i fucking love subway um but you get the food and it's like they make it and you're like yeah yeah i want that i want this i want that and it's it's exactly the way you want it made because even now i've reached a point in my life where i'm like well well, easy on the sauce there because yeah barbecue and they're just like and you get it out and it's just all you can taste the barbecue sauce now i'm at the point where i'm like nope it's two extremes it's two extremes they either (laughs) give you four times more than you want or one quarter of the amount you need yeah they just like show the bottle to the bread and that's yeah. it. Um, but you sit down and they wrap it up. The worst is is like uh, when you get it to take away because yeah. you get it and it's in a bag and you get it home and you get it home and it looks like it's been sat on by Susan fucking Boyle. It's, it never looks anything like oh. it does in the pictures, but it tastes amazing. It tastes so good. I so I, a, they get a pass on that. I haven't had a Subway in like a decade. So my what? ref. I just haven't been to Subway. Jesus. I don't eat. Right. Aside right, from soon like... As soon as we're out of this fucking lockdown, we're going out and we're getting a Subway, mate. Okay. Well, it'll cool. be a business lunch. <laughs> yeah. Business meeting over lunch. We can discuss do they it. Still, <laughs> do they still do cheesesteak? Yes. Or meatball yes, marinara, because they're my favourite. Yeah. Um, You've got a slightly my... limited menu at the moment, just like everyone else, but... Yeah. My big beef with misrepresentation is McDonald's. <laughs> the burgers like he's like he says look it's french it's fat it's plump it's juicy yeah. <laughs> yeah they never come out but the worst culprit is kfc the way that the way they picture their burgers they're just like everything is oh perfect yeah. then you get it you put it out the <laughs> you put it out the bun and there's so much in it it just falls it apart just, and you're like Argh. They're another yeah. one that we, we actually had KFC yesterday uh, for lunch because yeah. I, I got paid on Wednesday and I haven't been out and done a big food shop yet. So we, we're kind of running out of, of stuff. And it was like, right, either I can race out now and buy stuff for lunch at, 
um, Tesco. Or I can half that time and just go and get KFC. So I went and got yeah. KFC. But again, they're another one. Yeah, it doesn't. The burgers, the, the chicken always looks amazing. Um, oh, they, they look. I'm not saying they don't look good. But, but they don't they, look like they're doing the picture. But when they picture no. them, when I take that picture, everything is balanced <laughs> so perfectly. Just right. Yeah. yeah but you know, so even good. if you picked up that one in the picture, it would still. It would, yeah. The moment you tried to squish it down to get yeah. it, the fucking the burger would be out there and the sauce would be out. Oh, it's the mate. lettuce. It's the, it's the, it's the lettuce. <laughs> I, see, I don't have that problem because I don't get lettuce in my burgers. No, but like I'll, I'll eat it and I'll be that was really nice. I'll look down at the box and it's just a pile of lettuce. Where yeah. It's just all it gets all lubed up with the, with yeah. the, the mayo and shit mayo, and just yeah. skates. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm really, can you tell I'm really fucking hungry right now? Yeah, I'm really fucking um, hungry. I'm, I went downstairs to make coffee. My mum was like, oh, do you want a bacon sandwich? And I was like, I would love a bacon. She's like, how long are you going to be? And I was like, not fucking oh, long, not for a bacon like, sandwich. Like 40 <laughs> minutes, maybe. I don't know. Rooney's got something he really wants to get get stuck into. So God knows how long well, we've, we've managed to derail my angry rant by yeah. talking about takeaways. But I, the one place that I will give props for their food actually looking like it does in the pictures yeah. is Greg's. Yes, yeah. I fucking Dorans, love a Greg's. Dorans, Dorans, the bakeries. They just yeah. their food just always looks amazing. Yeah. And even I, delivered. We've had it delivered a couple of times from Greg's if we're ordering lunch. And here's yeah. oh, so good. It's a divisive question for you, right? Go on, then. Sausage rolls. Mm. Who's better, Greg's or Dorans? Oh. Oh. Dorrington's. Don't get me wrong, Greg's are good. There's not much in it. They're good, yeah. But Dorrington's, they are fucking amazing. I was all about Greg's for years. But um, I was with this girl and she lived in Potter Street and Potter Street had a Dorans. And yeah. like I was leaving her house one day and she's like, oh, stop at Dorans. Try their sausage rolls. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and I got it and it changed my fucking life. Yeah. yeah. Mate, good. I mean, you can't eat them without making the world's biggest mess. Oh, God, no. You can eat a Greg sausage roll without making too much mess. Yeah, they're a slightly firmer pastry, but yeah. the Dorans, no, the Dorans, it's their pastry that makes it. You, yeah. you have to realise that you're going to look like um, the world's largest sausage roll had like yeah. dandruff all around you, but they are, yeah, they're definitely worth the mess. If you find yourself in a Doran's and they've run out of sausage rolls, try the cheese and onion quiche because it is <laughs> divine. Have you have you tried one of the, uh, the the vegan sausage rolls from Greg's? No, I I have. I mean, Amy decided to, she would try it when there was all this hoo ha about it, wasn't there, the other year? Yeah. Piers Morgan got very angry about it. Um, it's it's better than most vegetarian foods I've tried. I still didn't like it, and I still couldn't eat a whole one. Um, Amy, did, Amy didn't like it that much either, actually. She normally she likes is. the vegetarian stuff. but Yeah, she's vegetarian. Uh, she's not. She, oh, she's she not anymore. We had KFC yesterday, remember? <laughs> yeah, but we got... you've mentioned many times, I sought out food for me and a child because Amy's oh, no. very picky. When, when I get takeaway, we I get it for, for all of us. Uh, okay. um, she eats chicken, she eats duck, she eats fish. Uh, she just doesn't eat good meats. Uh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> she doesn't eat the red meats, but um semi veggies. Where, where was I going with this? You got as oh, far yeah, as fast, fast, fast food, food one, yeah. And then Nazis, we started talking about food and got hungry. And got hungry. Nazis should be shot. Don't yes. at me, I'm not interested in debating that. That's not a discussion point. <laughs> um Yeah, that but, we've drawn the line here. All right. We've drawn we, the line that there. Is, 
uh, Nazis, okay. homophobes, and people that jump to conclusions about who you are based on how you look should all should be, be lined shot. up and shot. <clears throat> I mean, there are degrees of how they should be shot. Nazis should be shot dead. People that judge a book by its cover should be shot somewhere non-fatal so they can learn from their mistake. Kneecapped, yeah. Kneecapped? <laughs> Jesus! I think I'd rather be shot. Well, look, look. If you have to give up walking for the rest of your life, you're going to give some serious fault <laughs> to how you were living your life before that. Okay. Uh, um, however, although Nazis should be shot, they should not be stuffed into display cases. That's what mannequins are for. Yes. And if more people bought mannequins, uh, more people would end up selling them on eBay and I'll be able to get one cheap for displaying my armor on, which I can't at the moment. <laughs> also, Nazis shouldn't be buried. They should be left outside for feral animals to feed on their corpses. The circle of life. Yeah. When you feed on Nazis. There we go. Musical interlude there. Um, I'm really <laughs> fucking hungry. I think I'm delirious. <laughs> Private golf courses are shit. People that are members of them are shit. And their clothing is awful. Points one and three I agree wholeheartedly with. But I have a family member that likes golf and I don't want to upset him. So. Really? Oh, have a word. Who? My my auntie's husband that we went to school with. Uh, I ain't going to say anything. I'm only going to offend someone if I say anything. Listen, <laughs> it took me a, it took me a couple of years to get my head around it, but I got I got time and respect for him. So I'm not going to get into that. But golf is a city sport. Any golf sport, sport where you hit a ball and have to walk for 200 fucking yards to get it is <laughs> a city sport. <laughs> It's like playing fetch, but without the fun of yeah. the dog. You know, it's like you are the dog and the, the ball thrower at the same time. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit yeah. is what it is. Um, any and any hit, sport you can play on your own is just pointless. Um, I, well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I can't think of many sports that you can play on your own, but... Golf. Golf. No, that's basically it, yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> actual you know, non-e-sports. Um, plastic oh, surgeons. Oh, sorry. Addendum. Wii golf is not shit. Wii golf is not shit. No, neither is mini golf or crazy oh, golf. Oh no, crazy golf is fucking amazing. But grown up, grown up shit. golf is bullshit. Yeah. When we get out of this <laughs> lockdown, you, me, uh, Ash, and Lou are having a boys' day out, boys' day slash night out. We're going to London. We're going to play crazy golf. Get incredibly drunk. <laughs> And um, eat somewhere really nice where we get to eat something delicious. You know what will happen? We'll get too drunk, too drunk, and we'll end up eating at that fucking Mc- all night McDonald's again. <laughs> at Liverpool Street. <laughs> Liverpool Street McDonald's. There we go. No, no. We'll realise we've got five minutes to get food and get and hit the last train. So we'll get the food and we'll eat on the train home. We'll eat on the train. There we go. Um, what's the what's the, the the baguette place that they have at train stations? Oh, I know, I know what you mean. I they've got remember. one at the Excel Center. They charge it's like eight quid for a ham and cheese baguette. But yeah. fuck me, is it good? Um, I'm. I don't know if I've said this. I am really fucking hungry at the moment. Touchy. A podcast where we talk about food we like. I had I had a bowl <laughs> of frosties at um ten o'clock this morning, and I've that's had, it. Yeah. I'm fucking starving. I've um, had nothing. It's three o'clock, and I'm surviving on my fourth pint of coffee to keep me going. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, my last point: plastic surgeons should not make the silly money. The wrong professions are paid the silly money. 
I'd like to see NHS nurses. A nurse? Oh. What the fuck's a nurse? NHS nurses, paramedics, firefighters, those sorts of people. They should be living in the big ass houses, not plastic surgeons and other stupid people. There you go. <laughs> I stopped clapping because it sounds awful when I have to go back and edit it. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Could not. Like yesterday, I watched the news was on. It's like, oh, the head of the NHS has come out to give a big thank you to all the staff for for their for like, the way they've worked in the past year. And I'm just sitting there looking at the TV like, mate, you're going to say thank you. You're going to say thank Where's you. Where's the fucking pay rise? Where like, is it? Motherfuckers, I fix computers for a living. I got a pay rise this year. You know, they, they, those fuckers should be getting the pay rise. I'll give them my pay rise. Yeah. I mean, it's not worth much, especially when you spread it around, like, you know, that extra 90 quid a month who can be spread, like, <laughs> around the whole of the NHS ain't going to go very far. But it's not the point. <laughs> the point is, the people that work in daily in life and death situations should be respected and appreciated more. Yeah, they should be getting the big money. They should be living in the big houses and driving ah. cars. Addendum. Anybody that says they shouldn't, you deserve to get shot too. You deserve to get shot. You'll be up there with the fucking Nazis and yeah, there we go. The Nazis and the homophobes and people that don't think the NHS deserves more money. Yeah. All get shot. <clears throat> Which is fun because I work with someone who doesn't believe they should get more money, so they go get shot. That's what you get being a prick. Um <laughs> anyway, that was less divisive and controversial than I thought. So Let's wrap this up before one of us eats our microphone. No, no, no. <laughs> no, only you had a question, didn't you? I've got a question. And I only kind of thought of this question. Whilst oh, we is this one you thought of while we were recording? Yeah. yeah. So bear with me in the way that I, I, I put forth my question. In a world where people believe Trump, <laughs> in a world full of people that believe that coronavirus is caused by a touch in a grey and that Trump was a Trump was a time traveller in a world where people will mass protest wearing masks because of their civil liberties and claim that it's like living living in the Hunger Games <laughs> is it safe to assume that there's enough fucking idiots in this world that a film like this can be dangerous Oh, God, yes. And then the real question. At what point in the creation of art should we rethink what we're, what we're creating because of the possible side effects of idiots being part of the audience? I don't think you can modify your art based on stupid people. You do have to, I think with some subjects, you do have to bear in mind how it may be construed because this film doesn't glorify what it doesn't. Bill is doing. It doesn't, but people have, a bit like Fight Club, people have missed the point of it. There yes. are, I, I did find this. Fight I, Club I was, was the thing that was in my head when I was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there, I, I noticed a couple of things when I was, I was looking stuff up, like the distance that he walked yeah. and a couple of other bits. Um, and there, there are mercifully small portions of, of viewers who miss the point of this film and hold up Bill Foster as hero. some kind of hero. They, they, they glorify what he did. Um, 
most people that I saw, most things about it were either highlighting that people had missed the point or, yeah. you know, they were talking about how they got the point and it's not, you know, it's not glorified. Um, yeah, I don't know. Where it dawned on me just how clever this mm. film is in its way of showing us that he is the villain before the end yeah. before he actually says and admits and tells everybody watching i'm the villain yeah up until that point it's quite clever now to the point that i made that your mental health can change your perception mm. of of a piece of art of the world around you of your relationships with other people there's a part of me that's terrified that you know like when they released batman and that kid in dressed up like the joker and just shot everyone yeah yeah i fear that in a divided world we're in with an increasing amount of idiots <laughs> pieces of art like this that are clever are going to go over some people's heads and are going to cause problems yeah and i could see that that makes me wonder as a creative person do we have a responsibility to point out to idiots not point out in a clever way that people Just point attention. out in a very obvious way yes. should should every piece of potentially um potentially misconstrued well should every piece of media basically have a warning at the beginning saying you know don't fiction. don't steal guns and shoot people this is yeah. not intended as a guide to life sort of thing but where do you draw the line because you know people are if those people are going to be influenced by that they're going to be influenced by everything they consume so does that mean that the news should come with a disclaimer saying don't act on what you've seen here yes but then i just do you we, have to act do we as a race seen... have a responsibility to realize that not everybody is viewing the world it's, the same way yeah, we it's, are. It's not the artists or even the media producers' uh, responsibility. Society has a responsibility as a whole to identify these people and give them the appropriate support, help, or other that they need. It's yeah. not on the the art producer to think is someone going to misconstrue. Uh, I mean, you know, the Batman, the creator of Batman. When he sat down and drew this masked vigilante, vigilante who wears his underwear on the outside, could have no way of knowing that 60, 70, how many years? When was, when was Batman created? Fucking 70. He had a 75 year anniversary in the last couple of years. So, so there's no way. Bill Finger had no idea. They had no idea someone was going to dress up as a villain from a Batman comic and shoot up a cinema full of people. There's no way they could foresee that happening. There's no way an artist can foresee most of the, the consequences of their art because anything can be misconstrued and there's, things there's change. There's no way Gerard Way could write a song in which the chorus is, wouldn't it be great if we are dead, if we were dead, thinking that depressed people around the world may take that literally. May take that literally. Exactly. It's not their responsibility to mollycoddle us because otherwise no one can produce anything because everything can be misconstrued art as we've said before is subjective so what you take from it i may not yeah. um 
and I may take from the fact that the superhero wears black that I should kill everyone that I meet who's not wearing black or I should kill black people or I should only wear black or huh maybe that's just an interesting art choice to represent his dark demeanor and the fact that it blends in nicely with the shadows so (laughs) I am allowed to have some color in my wardrobe you are allowed to have some color in your wardrobe damn you Bob and Bill I've been wearing black all these years Fuck. It's funny because I'm I'm sat here I'm sat here wearing my black God hates fangs T-shirt, my black jeans, black I'm socks. Still, <laughs> still wearing my pajamas, which consist of a pair of black shorts and a vest. Your hamburger vest. I got really really hot when we first started recording. Yeah, I noticed. I was That's like, why is he taking off? There. The last time I saw you wearing that, we were in a heat wave, and yeah. I'm like. I'm sitting here looking, trying to find the scent, the, the, the source of the draft that is blowing through my office and making me cold. And you're sat there in a fucking vest. <laughs> last summer's, um, last year's summer wear is now this year's pajamas. Nice. Yeah. I, I love the fact that, that people have summer wear. My mum and sister do that. They have they have suitcases which um, they get down in the summer to put yeah. their winter clothes in, and they get down in the, in the you know at the end of summer to put the summer clothes in and take their winter clothes out. It's like I just have what's what's in my room if it's not in there i'm not wearing it <laughs> i um i uh, kind of i i don't like delineate and be like i'm putting this away this is going to go into hibernation until the sun comes out but yeah obviously i'm aware of shorts which you are not so that drawer doesn't get I open have shorts i have shorts i only wear them when it like the when temperature tops 28 or yeah. in a foreign country yeah yeah, I either have to be in a foreign country or it has to be hot enough that I can convince my legs that I'm in a foreign country. Otherwise, Whereas, nah, ain't I will put shorts on the second I see a little bit of sun. I'm like, oh, sun, shorts, yes. I mean, this, yes, this doesn't surprise me. Like I said, you're sat there wearing a vest now in January. <laughs> but then I also have clothes I wear indoors and clothes I wear outdoors. Man, you people so are weird. I've got, got bare amounts of like Primark joggers and tracksuits and stuff that i wouldn't wear out the house because i have dignity but at home they're comfy as fuck and i will wear them all day long i, I do have to admit i do oh, have except, except when except when i was like oh i've got to drop this off to rooney's throw on a pair of jeans with everything <laughs> else i normally turn off to your house and you were like oh my god no wonder you get pulled over you look shady as fuck and i looked <laughs> down and i was like shady as fuck. not sure shady is the word <laughs> pikey <laughs> packing than anything but yeah <laughs> you did look yeah you did look shifty you pulled up bumped up the curb like with your cap on and your fo- oh mate i was I wearing you... no i was wearing a woolly hat oh, was that the woolly hat yeah I- i'm fairly certain my neighbors thought there was some kind of drug deal being concluded on my doorstep that day yeah <laughs> especially the fact that you ran out yeah. did, the, did the deed ran back to the car and took off i mean it was because you were blocking the road but that's not the point before okay. we uh so yeah before, before we, we waste away yeah and we because we need to eat um find what you love believe in it positive wait wait, wait 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 wait, we haven't done a rating scores oh sorry that's what i was trying to get to earlier bacon. i can smell bacon now yeah <laughs> so, um <laughs> scores um it was before we had the comp before we recorded it was a six uh-huh now it's a seven. Oh, okay it was, a, it was a six scored I, I say this every fucking week but scored ordinarily it probably probably would have scored higher than a six yeah but on the scale 
it was a six. But now we've talked about it and I've realised more than I knew before we started recording. It's gone up to a seven. Uh, mine started as an eight and it's remaining an eight. <laughs> Ooh, so, yeah, that's a pretty solid score there. I, I really like this film. Yeah. Um, it's, it's I, I, I watched it once and I was like, wow, that was a really good film. Then I didn't watch it for like 10, 15 years. Um, and then I like rediscovered it because I think I, I made the reference to it about online or something. And now it's yeah. become a frequent point of reference to me that I'm building up to my falling down moment. Yeah. Um, <coughs> people at work are terrified that one day they'll see me getting a gym bag out of the boot of my car. I'm actually really worried that one day I'm going to have to take something into work in a gym bag and I'm going to have to SWAT team parachuting in through the fucking office window because someone's worried I've finally snapped. Um, <laughs> people look yeah. at you in your black trench coat a lot different these days don't they people people yes <laughs> basically yes people don't believe me when i say that outside of work i'm a far more positive person because in work i'm really not um i'm, I'm enthusiastic <laughs> but when, when i'm like enthusiastic about stuff and and they're like wow are you feeling all right it's like i'm like this all the time at home it's just in work that i'm miserable and don't want to be here you're cutting into oh, my me time, bitches. This is my me time. Yep, I can't be enthusiastic at home and at work. Fuck yeah. off. There's only so much enthusiasm to go around, and I will save it for my sex toys, my anime, and my podcast, all right? <laughs> Not you. That's it. Not you, you fuckers. <laughs> Stop breaking your keyboards, wank biscuits. Um, so there we go, 15. Now you can do your thing. Find what you love. Believe in it. Positive things will happen. Now you're going to die wearing that stupid little hat. <laughs>